gentlemen, how great is this? You're back for another episode of Libations for Everyone. Hopefully by now you know my voice. If not, I hope I scared you. Uh, this is one of your two co-hosts, Mr. Ben Quam, and I am sitting uh, approximately a little bit more than a NBA regulation hoop height away from my co-host, Mr. Charles Wad. I like how we keep coming up for new ways to define our <laughs> distance. I just want everybody to know we're being safe. We're here, we're trying to do the best that we can, but at the same time, we're also trying to recreate that vibe that you get when you're hanging out at the bar. So we just moved farther away. Charles brought me in because I can get infinitely louder at any given moment. Yeah, we're just talking about that too. (laughs) Now here we are (laughs) talking about this. Uh, Charles, what's going on with you, man? How are you? Chilling, ready to drink. Ready to ready to have some beverages. What, what what's that there can you got in front of you that looks a lot like the can I got right here in front of well, me? Well, we got this uh, Tom's Classic American Lager, finally in sixteen ounce form. We've drank a lot of this on the program. It's one of our favorite beers here. We've made uh, spaghetti with it. We've drank it out of the crowler, but now you can drink it a pint at a time. <laughs> Pretty slick. Very excited about this. We're also taking shots, and we'll get to that in just one hot second. Uh, I just want to thank everybody through the holidays and the COVID shutdowns and whatnot. We've been um, a little bit here and there with when we've been able to record. Again, we're just trying to be safe for all of our guests. And unfortunately, we've had a couple of people that were supposed to be guests that uh, are also trying to be safe. And uh, when they come in contact with somebody positive, they're self-quarantining. So we had a few episodes that we kind of had to miss, but we have an incredible calendar coming up. And it starts with this gentleman right here to my left. Charles is right. Everybody listening, he's going to be on both of your motherfucking speakers. Uh, Good sir, could you introduce yourself to the people and uh, maybe say what it is that you do? My name is Nate Beck. Many of you might know me from Nate Dogs, yeah. my artisan hot dog cart. Hold up. Uh, I have actually started a, a new gig, uh, kind of another dream career. Uh, many of you also might know that I love me some cigars, like lots of them. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. A little bit. And I have just started with a company called Bovida. Bovida makes the premier humidification product for cigars, cannabis, and musical instruments. Uh, it's a, a two-way reverse osmosis, or two-way osmosis, excuse me, uh, salt solution that regulates humidity inside humidors, inside, uh, you know, glass jars for cannabis, instrument cases. And so I will be handling all of the western United States, from Michigan to the west coast, uh, handling all the tobacco retailers. Previous to you getting this job, I've actually used this product uh, on, on cigars, allegedly on cannabis, but I had not thought about the, the benefit. My first musical instrument was saxophone. And not, I, didn't, I didn't know this was a thing until yeah. you just mentioned it, actually. Well, and just thinking about the, the climate that I, we live in, in in Minnesota, I mean, I bet that would be incredible for like an acoustic guitar or, or yeah. a violin or yeah, a cello. Yeah, my guitar hanging on my wall right now, which yeah. is really Absolutely. <laughs> it's ready to splinter help, and just spontaneously combust. Yeah. <laughs> you have to think about uh, with an acoustic guitar or a violin or a cello or any instrument that's made out of wood, even reeds for saxophones. Yep. We make a you know, packet could be small enough to go in those uh, small containers to keep those at the right humidity. The, the cases that you have, of course, then have to be able to hold humidity. Um, but it's a pretty spectacular product. All, uh, all of, our, all of my, my woodwind homies out there, 
There's nothing grosser than when you have that overly dry winter reed. And you put it in your mouth because you you, know, you got to suck on it to get it like wet so that it'll work. And you put That's it in your said. yeah, and you put it in your mouth and it just sucks up all of the moisture. There's nothing left. Can I just say there's there's no more preposterous a term than woodwind homies. Yeah. Oh, dude, for real. <laughs> we already have, we are, we are we already a, have our episodes title. <laughs> we are we are a small nation, but we are a powerful nation. <laughs> woodwind homies. <laughs> we are we are here to take back the pride that comes. With brass instruments. That's right. <laughs> with sounds played through vibrating wood. <laughs> I'm remotely and surprisingly passionate about this apparently right now. <laughs> but uh, that's, it really is a cool product. And uh, honestly, I, I'm just excited to have you on as a, a human. Thanks we've for been able me. to uh, we've been able to cross paths a long time. I know uh, you and Charles are also very tight. Uh, I did get to watch your uh, reverending skills at uh, a certain wedding that we were all at. One of us may have been the groom. And uh, it's very rare. I, anybody that at least somewhat knows me or has listened to the show enough, um, I love to, to give myself props randomly. And it is, um, it is rare when I watch somebody do a marriage ceremony and I'm kind of in awe the entire time. And your command of an insanely hot day in direct sunlight uh, literally <laughs> almost made me forget how damp I was inside of every bit of my clothing. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I thought it was perfect, but I was shaded by all the plants. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, what, uh, what did you bring for us to, to have shots of today? Oh, I brought uh, a little something called La Freug. Ooh. Oh, she's a beaut, oh. ain't she? It's fucking great. The tenure? The tenure, the classic La Freug. It's... I always equate it to imagine walking into a seaside bar on Isla. Isla is spelled Mm I-S-L-A-Y, island off the coast of Scotland, known for its very smoky, peaty scotches. Uh, Really not much wood on the island, and the only fuel to basically dry and and smoke that malt is peat, and it it imbues, I guess, a very smoky, rich, kind of salty, excuse me, aroma. And it's spectacular, and I think it's like walking into a seaside bar and licking the leg of a bar stool. Yeah, some people struggle with it. How do you do with Pete Quam? It's 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 weird because it's a flavor that I love, but I don't always go directly for. It's sure. it's something that like when I need it, it's the only thing that I can have. So you can tolerate it. it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of people who absolutely cannot tolerate it. I've I I think that you would be hard pressed to find something that. I would find completely revolting. Like there's a, a time and a place for everything, even yeah, just, as much as, just sour cream well, or mayonnaise, which <laughs> I have railed against on this show. And yet last something week, something as weird and like, exotic as sour cream. But last week, what did I do? I made banh mi's and yeah. I used Kewpie mayo. Sure, which you got you got it. It's it's cousin enough that it actually works for me. I don't know. I, time and place. I watch myself doing it. and I'm like, okay, well, apparently there's uh, we can all be hypocrites. Yeah, and there's always a sure. place for everything. Right, <laughs> except for water chestnuts. In <laughs> just in general, <laughs> I'm speaking for everyone because everyone believes they're garbage. All yeah. right, let's do this fucking except shot. me. All right, now, let's do this shot. Some people like them. Here we are. See, the thing, okay, mm. what I love about Lefroig, baby, oh. there's a lot mm. of things that That's I what love. I've been craving recently. But Damn. It's, you hit on it when you were talking about it. It's 
the smoke is sort of almost even more on the bouquet than it mm-hmm. is on the flavor. Obviously, it's there in the, mm-hmm. the flavor, but it's the salinity that I love. Mm-hmm. It's it's if I can close my eyes, I am opening my mouth and taking everything in on that island, yes. and I love everything about it's an Aerosmith that. song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> taking everything into my yeah, mouth, and then after the mask. salinity, you get this beautiful <laughs> sweetness. Yeah, uh, and that's that's what lingers with me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the sa- the savory in that. I'm always looking for savory beverages. Yep. Very few exist. So a good peaty scotch for me Ooh. just hits the spot big time, yep. especially on a cold winter's night. Fuck yeah, man. Oh, that's so Thank Let's you so much it. for bringing that. You're welcome. Let's do it. All it's right. my pleasure. We, um, we normally really do drill down and try and talk a little bit about like more of the humans, who the humans are as our guests. But um, given one of your hobbies and how much you share with Charles, uh, I thought as sort of a tweener that I would ask this question to kind of start it out. So basically... As somebody who is such an aficionado of cigar culture and knowing that there's a lot of ears out there that maybe want to get into cigars but have been a little bit intimidated or have always thought about it but didn't even know like where or why to start, first of all, what is it about sort of cigar culture that that hooked you? And then what would you say to those people out there that are just trying to dabble and to kind of get into some things? Sure. Uh, First thing that hooked me like it does with most things that I gravitate towards uh, personally, the amount of craft and human attention that goes into making a handcrafted premium cigar. Absolutely. The same thing happens in a lot of shoe manufacturing, raw denim, uh, all of that time and attention. Generally speaking, on a cigar, for every cigar, roughly 300 sets of hands have touched that cigar. That's wild. Somewhere in that ballpark. You know, depending no on the producer, it might be a few less. But that, there's generally a massive amount of people that have touched that tobacco leaf to the finished product of that cigar. It's a bad time to be saying so many people touch something. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing we burn it in front of our faces. Yes. <laughs> well, luckily, it sits in ages for a considerable amount of time. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like people who wash chicken. You, know, you, you know, it's going into an oven, right? <laughs> Fire is going to kill all those chickens. That's going to do that. Absolutely. The, the second thing that really has kept me attracted to cigars is I believe a, a good cigar with great friends is the best way to be able to engage on a deep level. The conversations, uh, the relationship that happens over a cigar, there's nothing like it. That's beautiful. Uh, and so that's why I gravitate towards it because I want to spend quality time with the people I care about. And I want to be able to do that on a level where we might not have, you know, 10 hours a week or, you know, we're not seeing each other three days a week. If we're going to hang out for two or three hours, I want to make sure that it's worthwhile. And when you're smoking a cigar, really very little else matters. Like you can be drinking a beer and doing a bunch of other stuff. But when you're smoking a cigar, you're not going to drop it. You're not going to kick it around because you spent some considerable money on it. Average price, you know, 10, 12 bucks for a cigar. You're going to make sure that you enjoy that. So you're going to sit down. You're going to maybe stand, but you're not going to be moving a lot, and you're just going to enjoy the smoke. You're going to enjoy the camaraderie. That's what's spectacular about it. Was there was there a Jedi that helped you on your Padawan path, or did you just decide that that was something that you wanted to start exploring and maybe mess around? And I'll ask the same question to you, Charles, too. I, I started smoking. I had my first premium cigar. It was a Hoyo de Monterey uh, Epicure number two Maduro, not the Cuban, but the, uh, God, is it Dominican? I apologize if I get that one wrong. 
Um, Colin big, Ganley, I'll have you fact check this for us. Right. Big cigar. That was the first cigar I had, 18 years old, like summer after my senior year of high school. Sure. Then when I went to college, uh, the school I went to in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, the only place you could buy cigars was a European gift shop. The kind of shop, so if you're, like, we're in college that, in the 90s. Oh, that sounds like an old-timey way of referring to, like, an adult movie store. It was <laughs> not so a European gift yeah. shop. Yeah. It literally yeah. had cigars cuckoo, and, cuckoo clocks. Cigars and titty mags. <laughs> <laughs> it had cuckoo clocks and, like, Hummel figurines and, like, you know, European collectibles. An entire wall of flavored coffee beans because, like, all these stores used to have those at one point. And then in the back corner was this tiny little humidor with the sliding door. And this woman that ran the shop was in her early 70s. And every time I'd walk in, she's like, Nate, are you coming to get some more cigars today? Yep. She'd walk in there with me and help me pick out some sticks. Wow. Um, And I'd get a couple of cigars, and I'd enjoy them over the next week or so. I would actually get to smoke cigars with the dean of students at the college. Uh, he couldn't really smoke in his office anymore, and everyone kept kicking him out. So he'd come out and walk the campus with me, and we'd have cigars. And then uh, the shop that I frequent the most here in the Twin Cities is up in Maple Grove. It's a place called Tobacco Grove. Absolutely. Um, and my buddies there, Rick and Cole, really have given me a lot of great pointers on trying different cigars, kind of broadening my palate, finding things I like, steering me this way, steering me that way. And once you kind of get into a wheelhouse of cigars that you really like, then I don't tend to veer, to veer off course a whole heck of a lot. Sure. But I do like to try new stuff. Um, and if, something, if I get something and it's not awesome, I'll still finish it. Of course. Uh, but I won't go buy it again. So I have kind of a, a wheelhouse of what I really like to smoke. Um, and if they get new stuff in that's like that, they text me and say, hey, Nate, new stuff's in. Come on down to the shop and try something new. That's so amazing. most of it was my own exploration. Sure. Uh, Charles, same, similar or different course? Yeah, it, Nate and I share a lot in common when it comes to our exploration of cigars, and I think that it's similarly why we've walked a similar path uh, regarding our, our growth and understanding cigars and exploring new brands and things of that nature. I also started smoking like decent cigars in my late teens. I used to uh, buy Dunhill Altamiras. It came in these little white tubes that was like my cigar. Beyond that, I had a Macanito or a Punch here and again, but that was like my special occasion cigar, and it was the only time I smoked a proper cigar. It was New Year's, cigar, buddy's birthday, cigar. And I was always the guy around the bonfire that got left there because I was smoking this gigantic cigar while everyone else was smoking their cigarette and flicking it away or having a black and mild. So I never really developed a great and expansive knowledge for variations of cigars and genuses and wraps and sizes and all the minutiae actually until Nate and I started smoking together frequently I think we both really enjoyed cigars and knew plenty enough to be dangerous but it became sort of our de facto even to this day like we're very close friends when we hang out we smoke cigars like we don't even have to ask do you want to smoke a cigar it's hey you coming over and then he's already cutting his when I walk outside that's just the way things are. So he and I enabled one another in many ways and, and learned a lot about cigar smoking and, and various like traditions and, and places, geographies in the world where they're made and things like that. And uh, have learned an awful lot over the years. He still smokes way more than I do. Way, way more than I do. I do. I love smoking cigars more than everyone I know except Nate. <laughs> 
And that doesn't have, I know people who smoke, smoke more uh, voluminously than I do, people who smoke more cigars than I do. But, you know, Nate's a daily smoker. I smoke, it, this time of year, I'm smoking like two to three a week. Right. Summer, uh, like, I average probably like seven to nine a week because I, I want yep. one every day, sometimes two, some days I skip, some days I'm smoking three. Uh, the other thing I'll remark on for the first part of the question, I want to point this out for any listeners. Like, I've wanted to talk cigars on the show for a while because <laughs> I, I love cigars. But one thing that I want to point out, because a lot of my friends who are interested in smoking cigars, they come to me and they're like, please help me. You know, I'll be your Padawan. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's like, stop putting so much pressure on yourself. This isn't that complex. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, pretty much actually when Nate and I were like really, really diving in deep, I read in Cigar Aficionado, this, this like, uh, VP of some cigar company, was being asked questions about, like, routine maintenance and what you're supposed to, you know, the, like, p- things people should know if they're just starting out smoking. And one thing that stuck in my mind is, a question was, how far down are you supposed to, s- supposed to smoke a cigar? And he pretty much treated it like it was a ridiculous assertion that there's any rule or regulation regarding how far to smoke a cigar. And his answer, and this goes for pretty much everything when it comes to cigars, yes, there are right and wrong ways to do things. Like, don't put it out because it'll smolder and the tar will make the room stink. Just set it in, in the ashtray, you know, things like that. However, what he said to that question was, smoke it until you're not enjoying it anymore. Yeah. I smoke mine two-thirds down. If you like to smoke yours till it burns your fingers and you're still enjoying yourself, who am I to tell you that is not, not enjoyable? So bearing that in mind, I think that for a lot of people, it can be intimidating, but it's really not. And, you know, ask questions. If your friend smokes, if you got a good friend who is a heavy cigar smoker, trust me that it's no secret society. And they don't want you to know the, you know, the, the lineage of the, the shattered skull. They're going to be like, <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. This is, I like a V-cut, you know, like uh, this is how you burn it. I like to toast mine. Usually, almost everything's a matter of preference, right? And, uh, and you learn a lot just from practice. For sure. It's, you know, it's funny because uh, I also enjoy Tobacco Grove. I am a novice at best in my cigars. But I love the fact that, like, I've never been there and not had somebody offer to help. Yep. Everything, and they ask questions. And just do that. I, I, I hope, whether we're talking about food or, or beer or whiskey or anything, travel, I don't give a shit. I hope everybody out there feels empowered to just go and, and ask somebody that does it for a living Hey, can you give me a hand? I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something. Have them maybe help you a little bit there. But yeah, like you said, you're not going to go wrong. If a, if a tobacconist is stocking the cigars, they're not bad cigars. It'll just be you trying to figure it out. So, you know you're in the wrong place in, in any realm if no one wants to help you. There's yeah. a cheese shop, tobacco shop. So you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, it was uh, an Ava Maduro number two, short little torpedo guy. Yeah. I, uh, I, I got my first bartending job downtown at a place that no longer exists called Copeland's uh, Fine Dining and Cajun Food, I believe is the full name. It was a 28-day dry-age steakhouse that also had full Cajun menu that also allowed cigars in the bar. So we had that sounds a... That incredible. It was... Living in the state of Minnesota. Oh, my God. Incredible. It was magical. That's me. What's, what's yeah. going on, Dave? Uh, was Copeland's... I'm trying to remember. That wasn't in the old Nankin, Nankin. space. Yep. Then pre Fogo. Pre Fogo to show. Yes. Okay. Oh, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A restaurant that with half of the restaurant blocked behind temporary we're, walls. We're talking downtown Minneapolis. Downtown yeah. Minneapolis. With half of the restaurant behind walls 
we could still seat 375 guests. It was the biggest restaurant I've ever worked at. The average Holy check, smokes. just food, was 25-ish dollars. It was wild. But we had these giant crystal bowls that we used as cigar ashtrays. Uh, super jagged, really cool looking. And then we had a double door stand-up humidor yeah. in the bar area. So it's when, making me emotional. Dude, it was... <laughs> I wish we I, had I can add to this. Like when this. I was in college, uh, <laughs> I used to go with my cousin, and we were mug club members at Rock Bottom. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just down the street. Yep. And they had spectacular ventilation, and I'd smoke a cigar every time we went. And it was phenomenal. You're, you're so right, because they had those pool tables in back. Yes. And everyone was smoking. Absolutely. Cigarettes, cigars, it didn't Absolutely. matter. Absolutely. And it just went straight up like steam off a hot head on a it was cold incredible. day. And then it was gone. Gone. It was wild. Yep. So that's where we would go out sometimes when we would get done with work. I'd get my employee discount and take a cigar and then go down there and we could hang out and play pool and drink beer. But um, that, was, that was my training course because I had to know that's a really great way to add 15 20 or $25 onto a tab. So we'd have servers that would walk their guests up saying, hey, Mr. Carlson just finished his dinner, was thinking about having a cigar and maybe a whiskey. Could you walk him through that? So I had to learn all of the buzzwords. I had to figure out what the big, like, which ones were more vanilla-y, which ones were more black peppery, which ones were more leathery, and then try and talk people through that. And the funny part is, thinking back on this, uh, I'm still, as a former cigarette smoker, I'm still a bad cigar smoker because the muscle memory kicks in. And, like, Charles has even had to try and be like, qualm, settle. I'm also high-strung anyway. So, like, to just ease off. and you They know. can tell you I used to smoke pretty fast, too. So <laughs> it's not unique. No, and, I, and I'll remember, too, Charles and I have flipped a little bit. When I first started smoking cigars with Charles, I was always basically <laughs> smoke the cigar up to the edge of the band, and then I was pretty much good because yeah. beyond that, it starts to get maybe a little hot, maybe you get a little tar that sure. builds up. I was like, that's a good spot. I always dropped it. And Charles would... He would chuck through a cigar like nobody's business, like pretty fast. There's one other guy that smokes fast. There's one other guy, yes. Story for another time. (laughs) Yes, that's a story for another time. (laughs) And and I now will smoke more cigars than I ever used to quite a ways down, like to my fingertips. Mm -hmm. And Charles might stop a cigar a little sooner than he ever used to. So it's like we've sort of flip-flopped a little bit. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to like just what makes you happy. You know, um, even drinking this – um, I was reminded of uh, when I was in Milwaukee opening a bar. Uh, we were fortunate enough that uh, Dalwini just happened to have their team from Scotland in Milwaukee. And they brought the whole team by, and their master distiller was with. And we gave a very, she gave a very nice talk, and it was great, and everybody ate it up. And then we ended up going to a different bar and sitting around a table and drinking. And somebody at the table, I don't remember who, asked what do you think if people put a cube in there or put water in there? Like, is that, is that sacrilege or, you know, like, where are you? And she just started laughing and she goes, why the fuck do people keep asking me that? She's like, basically <laughs> at the end of the day, if, if it makes you like it more, do it. Absolutely. If it makes you like it less, don't do it. Yes. If you don't want to drink it, period, don't fucking drink it. There's plenty of other things out there. What you should do is try and figure out what, what, makes it best for you yes now i'm sure she would weep if you poured it into like caffeine-free diet coke but overall i feel like that was a really great thing so i i caught shit i don't know if you saw this i caught shit for putting an ice cube in uh, a whiskey glass and and posting it on facebook 
this fucking when two, was this? These, uh, week and a half ago. Oh, really? These two fucking dudes are like, so I can't believe you do that to that. And I was like, I'm sorry, I, I don't feel bad about this. This is what a whiskey was it? What it was um, barrel proof. Um, there you go. You already answered the question. 1792. Yeah. 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 You already answered the question. So, it, I used to be anti water cube yep. any of that prior to. So I get. I, I brag on the show sometimes about the fact that I don't get hangovers. I try not to brag, but people take it as a brag always. But what I do get is if I drink barrel proof, barrel and bond, fucking 120 proof hazmat, hazmat level <laughs> whiskeys, I sometimes get acid reflux. Yeah. It happens like one month out of the year. My body's like, haha, don't even try. So it's basically a crapshoot because I don't know when it's going to happen. Sure. And uh, like three years ago, I started experimenting with putting a cube in barrel proof stuff. Guess what I discovered? Because I used to be the same kind of shit talker. Yep. I discovered that it actually can open it up. Like mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, there's an entire bouquet in there that you can't experience yep. with something that is that fucking hot. And that was what she said. Uh, there's even a term for it in, um, I can't remember what the Scottish version of Gaelic is, but like the old Celtic Druid mm-hmm. uh, language. But really? it's basically, it translates to chasing the dragon. Sure. And, you, you know, if you pour water in there or if you put a cube in and you watch the water come off the way it swirls, it swirls yeah. you're, you're it, like much like the opium joke, but that's, that's the dragon. You're unleashing the dragon and then yeah. you're chasing it and you're trying to figure out, is it leading you towards something that you love or is it taking you away from something that you love? And your only risk is what you poured into that glass. Everything else in the bottle is there for you to celebrate which journey you figured you were on. Yeah. And I... I love that, and I'm trying, I'm trying to get there with cigars. It's literally, I think the biggest thing holding me back is my past with, with tobacco that I couldn't quit. And now there's a little bit of cigar that's, like, naughty fun for me, uh-huh. where it's like mm-hmm. I get to kind of do the thing that I used to do. But right. in I, a different way. <laughs> the nice part is that now I, I don't feel they're connected anymore. The action is the same, but when I first went to cigars after quitting smoking, it was way too close. Yeah. And I had to back off. Sure, but it's been it's That's been really cool. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I have I'm friends sure. who are former, like Dax, our buddy Dax. Hi, Dax, uh, who's a former major cigarette smoker, was a little timid at first regarding cigars, and was concerned that it was going to lead him back to cigarettes. You know, instead, what it's done is made him smoke as many cigars as Nate. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but he's not smoking cigarettes, right? I just think if you can give something a place and a time, it, it actually, then it can be something that you celebrate. Like, I, I would never drink whiskey all day, but I like every now and then when you've had a long day, I love coming home to that because it's a treat for me. Mm-hmm. And as long as cigars kind of stay there, I feel like I'm pretty good. But we are long overdue on a shot. Yes. So if somebody would be kind enough to pour up that Lafreg. Mine's already poured. In yeah, honor now, of now Mr. I want Nicole. some smoke on my tongue <laughs> exactly. after that conversation. That's, that was exactly and what I thought. Nate thought ahead. He, he probably knew we were going to talk about cigars, and now I get to have liquid smoke, <laughs> at least. It may have factored into the decision-making process. Yeah. <laughs> to everybody out there, but most, most especially Mr. Nick Offerman. Cheers. God damn it. That is so good. Nate and I were joking earlier that... Mm. This is going to be like uh, Ron Swanson drinking with um, Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> That's absolutely <laughs> People perfect. People know me. Yeah. That's so on point. My apartment smells of rich mahogany and many leather-bound books. <laughs> <laughs> Important news alert, Nate. 
what's your secret weapon in the kitchen? We, we've all got some, you know, so it's like maybe something you use in a spice blend. Maybe it's some weird thing you put in a red sauce that nobody else puts into their secret red sauce. Secret weapon in the kitchen. Do you want to buy some time? No. Um, you got it? Yeah, literally. You probably got a bunch. It's very simple. Secret weapon in the kitchen, if people don't have this, a great set of tongs. Absolutely. That's I, it. I am they, currently they got on. a clack real good, though. Yes, and I have clack, one set, and clack, clack. I think it came from Target, of all things. Mm-hmm. And it is, of all the sets of tongs that I've had running Nate Dogs, and it has been a shit ton of tongs. <laughs> yeah. The set that I have at home never made it to the Nate Dogs cart because I didn't ever want to lose it or right. have somebody take it because yep. I like them so much. And wow. in Are a set like of tongs, so good grips they're not. No, they're, they're the stainless. cheapest ass tongs ever. They, oh, like the just metal ones? And they, they have, um, you know how some tongs have the little latch on the end that you have to bump or push and it yeah. always gets freaking pushed in at the yep. wrong time. And you're like, shit, damn it hits you in the face when you're putting it in yes. the drying rack. Like. And <laughs> this one has, like, you have to shake it, and a little slider comes down and locks yep. the tongs. Yep. It's my favorite. And what's great about them is they're light. There's no sharp edges. And at the end, like, some tongs come together at way too sharp of an angle, and you can't pick up dick with those Ooh. things. Mm-hmm. This pair, like, perfectly comes together. And it has to, like, clamshell, where the yes, whole thing... Yep. all touches. Yep. The scallop is just right. That's my secret weapon. Brilliant. And plenty of salt. Tight. Like, yeah. Oh, some, yeah. Some A Wadi gets this lock, stock, and barrel. Like, we loved watching his social deliciousness. Shout out to Same. He is we get him the shit. Um, I, 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 will, I, I will go to bat for that guy. For the rest of my life. And that's, that's a story we can get to in the podcast if we have time, but love that guy. When I'd watch him salt, I would say, all right, honey, if you want to know. Hold on. No, no, no. We're not, we're not pushing anything the all fuck right. off. You need to tell this story right now. All right. So when I started Nate Dogs um, and the Minnesota Food Truck Association was just being founded, I happened to not be at the meeting where they were voting on new members to let in. And for those of you that don't know, my hot dog cart is tiny. It's not a food truck. It's not a food trailer, really. I mean, it is a tiny trailer, but it's a hot dog cart. Chock full of quality wieners. Right. And the one thing that I did very differently from most street hot dog vendors is I was at every major beer fest and food truck festival, and I could serve with anybody and generally beat in volume almost anybody by myself. Absolutely. I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, <laughs> they were not going to allow me into the Minnesota Food Truck Association. And some aide told me after the fact, he stood up and said, fuck this shit. If you don't let him in the Food Truck Association, you all are fucking idiots. And this is bullshit because if you've all been to an event and watched him serve, he can serve circles around any of you. So if you don't want to do it, great, but I'm out. That's the shit. Something, something along those lines. And I will tell you, I am loyal to that guy forever. And some aide doesn't eat pork. My hot dogs are all pork. And that guy went to bat for me so many times. Yeah, he's the shit. Absolutely. Just go support. Go support. Go to Milk Jam. Yeah. Go to World Street Kitchen. Right. Go to Grand Catch. Grand it's Catch. Go. Yes. Yeah. All Love those guys. Go to all of them in a row, maybe. Yeah. That sounds like fun. So the, is, the question is, what's the secret tool? What's your, like, the secret, secret sauce, weapons? Right? Secret, secret weapon. weapon. It could be a utensil. It could be, well, it could I, be spices. I think whatever. I just, I, first of all, I have to double down. On I know what, everyone in this room's got secrets. I bet you guys are trying to hide them. This guy's no, 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 no. I, I will straight up say, 
the tongs 100 percent because hiding something two us. of two of my three <laughs> two of my three ugliest cooking scars Capers, isn't it? are from shitty tongs yes it's uh really? it's it's uh uh cast iron steaks and uh, the tongs weren't strong enough to pull an inch and a half thick ribby off, so it oh, slapped no. back down. And I got, I got permanent scars on both hands from it. You were yeah. failed by tongs. Yep. Failed by tongs. You were wronged by the tongs. Wronged by tongs will be my new ska <laughs> band revival. By tongs. <laughs> um, so I'm, I, instead, I want to throw out, uh, and also salting properly. Like everybody out there that's never worked in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Returning that, no, yeah, for sure. The reason yeah, your food doesn't key. taste like it does in a restaurant is because you're not using enough salt. Exactly. I'm just going to tell you people, that. Exactly. People in Minneapolis are like, what makes the parlor burger so good? It's simple. Dude, they put so salt. much fucking salt on it. And it, butter. It makes it taste like beef. Uh-huh. It makes the beef taste like, like beef. beef. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, for a couple more kind of off-the-beaten-path tricks, um, my favorite cookie recipe that I make, I sub out salt for miso paste, and it makes the oh, yeah. most amazing umami layer in a chocolate chip cookie. I've had your cookies. They're delicious. I, I'm, I'm in love with it. I, I'm going to try that. I just think it's so wonderful, and it's tough trying to figure You have to know your cookie recipe pretty well, yeah. and then you have to kind of guess the first batch or two about how much miso you're putting in. Yeah. But the best part That's about- changing the chemistry for sure. Yeah. And the best part about making cookies is eating the dough. So sure. I'm just going to go ahead and say I keep sampling, and I keep going until it tastes good, and then you bake it, and you hope it works. Raw flour warnings be damned. Yep. We're all eating dough. Exactly. Miso it's dough in a so tube. Good. There you go. There's your business. Yep. Um, black garlic is also something Ooh, that I really, really highly recommend to people. The funky, sweet notes that black garlic give in a dish, I never make it the star. It's like, it's like having a really incredible character actor be the supporting actor in a movie. Like somebody that'll just eat, like, like a Brian Dennehy or... Glenn mm-hmm. Close or somebody like somebody that'll just eat up the background but never take the star turn. That's I, I love putting sneaking black garlic into different All good things. secret ingredients offer a je ne sais quoi. They're never you know, it's never like the main ingredient because yep. it's not a secret anymore. But yeah, black garlic. That's do you make your own or do you buy it? I buy it. Uh, I tried once to make it a long time ago, and I ended up with a bunch of mold. And it, ah. it, I basically read like a paragraph in a blog and tried to do it. I have a Broadman and Taylor fermentation station. Oh. That's apparently one of the best things to make in there. Absolutely, so I should make a big fucking batch and then garlic and i'll hook you up with some my last one i would i would adore that because i'm buying my shit off amazon because it's the only place i can get it reliably and i hate that although i did just find a grocery store in brooklyn uh center that carries it on the regular so i like that um my third thing and this is for anybody it's it was the easiest to apply to when i was making stir fries or anything asian but uh i love the blend of like chili sesame oil it, there's an earthiness to that that just comes out. And again, instead of always using salt or soy sauce. Using chili oil and sesame oil? No, literally like using sesame oil and making chili oil. With the sesame oil? With the sesame oil. Okay. The, the depth that sesame oil gives food, even in like a tablespoon for an entire dish, I can find that depth in every bite and I absolutely adore it. And then I'll pair that with... Um, in any savory Asian dish that's been Americanized, your savory side will come from salt or soy sauce, usually. 
get rid of those or use those partly, but bring in fish sauce in a good fish sauce. I'm talking like Red Boat number 40 or literally ask somebody at an Asian grocery store what their favorite fish sauce is and bring that in. Because again, you're adding these, it's sort of like the, the side flavors that we were talking about in Lafroy. Like, of course, the smoke is what you're going to smell first. Mm-hmm. But there's these beautiful notes that come as you, as you let it aerate on your mouth after yep. you've swallowed. And that's where I think fish sauce really shines. And I've started using that. Like, I use fish sauce in my stroganoff recipe. And it adds with, with Worcestershire sauce, it adds this in crazy depth to a cream-based sour cream filled mm-hmm. recipe that For I sure, love to sure. make. For sure, sure. Oh, yeah. So, you know. Those would be my tricks, but yeah. So Charles, all, how about you? What do you what do you put in the food? and umami for you. That's it. And when my wife listens to this, she's gonna love me saying unctuous because she knows unctuous. that's like unctuous is my ensconced. Her words ensconced, mine is unctuous. <laughs> unctuous. Don't say those back and forth five times fast. Unctuous umami is mm. the greatest name for like a Sigur Ross type like art rock band. That's, yes, dude, big time. Oh, so that dude. was coming to mind, and I couldn't think of what to call it even. <laughs> but you nailed it. <laughs> No, for me, I have I have little flourishes aplenty. It's I kind of pride myself on it. I make a lot of spice blends, dude. It's not necessarily like the qual. Okay, the quality of the spice is of utmost importance. People don't realize that. Before Penzies, when I discovered Penzies like a decade ago, I thought paprika and turmeric were for color. Yep. Okay, like you get someone's fucking McCormick's paprika sitting on the shelf in in their sun beaming pantry fully exposed it's practically brown you could pour that right in your mouth it's literally dust it's like emptying a vacuum filter into your mouth smoked <laughs> You're paprika so right. uh-huh. dude smoked paprika from penzies is revelatory it the sings. first time i tasted that a beam of light also came down on the paprika and shone upon my face it was like the angels <laughs> and were then singing. shout out from my butt cheeks <laughs> yeah, the splinter and i our, our good friend brett splinter and myself were just talking about this the other day he was grilling some chicken and it was all covered in red stuff and he was like that smoked paprika and i was like i, I know that's pensies i know that's exactly. pensies. And he's like you better fucking believe it and i was like and i say this about pensies spices but particularly the smoked paprika you can order this shit online people i don't care where you live but i i say it's a cheat code it is a fucking cheat code. Mm-hmm. I, it's almost like you don't want to admit it's from Penzi's because it seems like you don't get as much credit. So using high-quality spices and all my stuff, Penzi's is a great place to go for that. Another thing I'll say, bay leaves. People don't. Mm. People seem to believe that they don't do anything. Bullshit, man. Absolutely. Make, make collard greens side by side. Put bay leaves in one and don't put them in the other. Tell me which one you like more. Do a and, blind. Do a double blind test. Uh-huh. And I will say order the bay leaves the turkish bay leaves from penzies yes. not the jar that's been sitting at your grocery oh, yeah, store for no. five years i mean yeah. I, I i bring them home from lebanon but that's well, cool yeah but like everywhere i pick them myself yeah I, dude, they're I just pick them myself the dirt weed <laughs> the last bag of bay leaves that i got from penzies i accidentally left open on the counter opposite from where i was preparing food uh-huh. and i could yeah. smell the bag across my kitchen while i was standing over the food i was preparing that's how wonderful those are. They're you... indescribable, yep. too, like the weirdness of them. Yep. Even the, um, the leaves I use for the jerk, Nate. Yeah, uh, the pimento, pimento leaves. The yeah. pimento leaves, they're like another form. It's almost mm-hmm. like a more like a, like a slightly more bitter, a little more wintergreeny yeah. uh, uh, bay leaf. Yep. But it's also that inexplicable quality, that je ne sais quoi, where you're like, 
what the, what the fuck is that? Like, there's something. I can't put my finger on it. It's like a weirdness that you can't quite define. Do either of you guys like uh, like creamy chicken wild rice? Do you make mm-hmm. chicken wild sure. rice soup? Certainly. Throw two to three leaves of uh, pimento leaves in it while it's cooking. I have plenty now, so it, I can use really, a set of bay leaves. It, the, the nutty side of the wild rice and the pimento leaves just pair up together and it just sings get out of that is that is my into my other ass. <laughs> like yeah. even even cooking while i'm the one that cooked it and i knew what that was and i still had trouble being like is that what that yeah, that's some, what that did oh, oh oh shit damn dude that's that's a good thing that you brought that up because another thing that i like to do my old friend carrie used to do this and i thought it was patently absurd but i do it once in a while the last time i made a creamy chicken wild rice soup I make my own yellow curry blend. Uh, can confirm, bonkers, ridiculous. You ruined my previous yellow curry recipe. <laughs> it's delicious. Like, I literally can't make it without your curry powder. Well, now. thank you. <laughs> but so I used I used just like a, a tiny, tiny amount of that in the soup, just to lift it up with a, the, all these little inexplicable granules of flavor. Because you put that into the broth and it permeates every drop. Absolutely. And so I already made you know I made like a good classic. Uh, uh, I roasted the chicken. I did all the whole shebang. The bay leaves are in there, everything. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw a heaping tablespoon of curry in there with the cream, like the creaminess and that little bit of curry. Oh. You know, my, both Marnie, my wife, and then my, my buddy Ken, my neighbor, who I gave some, were like, oh, man, what's that in there? And, like, Ken actually identified it. He's like, I think you put curry in there. And Ken, you know Ken as well, Ken Perlius. Absolutely. He... He always said he hated curry, but I keep putting curry in stuff that I give to him because I'm <laughs> yes. like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's, I, I, I honestly, like, I'll, my own mother, I'll put in this category, uh, thought she hated curry, and what she hated was really shitly made food. McCormick's She curry. hated poorly made food. She went to a restaurant, had, like, an, an $8, like, curry thing, and she didn't feel good afterwards and was like, oh, I don't like curry. That's that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. And the depth of the spice that you get from that is so, so fucking wonderful. It just brought me back, though. If we're doing some, some PSAs for people, uh, much like the tongs, please, 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 please invest in a good knife. Like, go to a store that has multiple knives. And don't just say, what's the expensive one or what should I get? Hold it in your hand. And just like we were talking about with cigars and with whiskey, if it doesn't feel right in your hand, don't buy that fucking knife. You are holding a, uh, something that could be a weapon yep. that could take off your finger at the lop of basically a mispushed hand. Get a knife that feels right, that you feel like you can wield and you can control, and it will wildly change your ability to make the food that you love. And Let me, keep it sharp. Here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, abs- dude, absolutely. Yeah. But... One thing I'm going to say is that doesn't mean you need to price yourself out because I think no. a lot of people think they got to spend a lot of money. Dude, go on Amazon. Victorinox. Victorinox. Victorinox, Victorinox uh, dude. Yep. It's like 40 bucks. It's Every, a beautiful knife. Like in, in several Cooks Illustrated, which is a like benchmark magazine yep. for rating everything from soup cans to chef's knives to Cuisinart's to what have you know, you name it. I, I want to know who had the worst soup can. <laughs> <laughs> The the Victorinox has won uh-huh. over countless other knives time and again. Victorinox ends up between I own one. third and fifth so on every single America's Test Kitchen, what Everything. knife should I buy? Yes. Every time. I yep. will tell everybody listening right now, if you've never shopped for a knife, 
half of the restaurants you like, every single dish that you eat at that restaurant was prepared by a Victoria Knox knife. Yes. This is going to sound like a giving all your, your girlfriends the same gift as the last girlfriend, but all my buddies who get divorced and are starting out on their own and need to actually prepare food for themselves, I get them a Victoria Knox knife. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, isn't that a, that's like, here's, here are the things you need to start. That's the most important thing. Yep. You need a fucking cutting board and you need a good knife. And the good knife is more important than the cutting board because I don't care if you get your deposit back, but you might lose a finger. Yeah, so. Totally. <laughs> One other random tip uh, that I've been trying to be better about, too, is as you're building a sauce. Like, I, there's recipes for everything right now. We're fortunate enough to have 8 billion different chef blogs. We have YouTube. We have all this other stuff. Taste everything as you build it. Obviously not. If you just put raw meat in, maybe don't taste that immediately. But as you're building a sauce, really what – it's not necessarily the ingredients. It's how do they build together. Yeah. It's – the same reason that we love listening to a band all together instead of listening to each instrument separately. You're building a symphony, so know what it sounds like when there's just a drum. Know what it sounds like when a bass comes in. Know what it sounds like when the guitar comes in. And as you drink those things, and as you taste those things, and as you try them, I feel like you start to learn like what works together. And that sort of like synergy is really what made me into like the at-home like cook that I am was you start to kind of, for lack of a better term, like you see through the matrix. Yeah. Or like to go Carlito's way, like you start seeing all the angles. You start to know where everything is going to come from. And then you can turn up and turn down different things to figure out exactly what you like. Yeah, comfort yeah, takes totally. time. You know, people sometimes are, uh, are, are slaves to recipes. But if you know what cumin tastes like and you know you like more cumin, mm-hmm. grab that bag, man. Grab that shaker. My, cumin in. my guacamole... I have a very good friend named David Kelly who hopefully will be on this podcast at some point. Uh, he grew up in El Paso, Texas. His mother is Mexican. Uh, my guacamole makes him weep with anger. He hates it so much because I have sullied the great pride of the avocado with all of these other flavors. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't ever try and say that what I make that I call guacamole is like authentic but what it is, is it's exactly what the fuck my wife and I want to eat. It's uh, your guacamole. guacamole. It's, it's exactly yep. what I want. Uh, guacamole. And I've had his mother's guacamole. It is to die for. It is absolutely swooning. It is almost a completely different product from what I make. Okay. They are both delicious. I just make the thing that I like, and I don't feel bad about that. I just would never try to say that it's, oh, it's authentic. Yeah. I'm not making anything to prop up another culture, I'm propping up what my wife and I want to eat when we're at home. And hopefully you like it too. Yes. And if you don't, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, what I made last night, if I posted that on a, on a Lebanese food board of all Lebanese aunts and moms and grandmothers, I made uh, lamb meatballs with farro that had like chickpeas and carrots and stuff in it with like this yogurt tahini lemon sauce. That's not in any Lebanese cookbook. I just made that with Lebanese flavors. But damn, did it look yeah, good. Yeah, it was... Dude, it looks it was, so good. It was excellent. So I want to actually, before we move on, I want to ask Nate, when it, when it comes to, like, uh, a secrets of the trade, what is it that makes a good old-fashioned wiener and what ruins them? Oh, yeah. We I, have to talk Your about expertise that. on this. Nate, people who are listening to this, you may not know this, especially if you're not in the state of Minnesota. Nate's uh, a cart, Nate Dogs, won Best Hot Dogs in the Nation yeah. in 2018? 2017. 2017. Yep. 
Best hot dogs in the nation. And, I mean, I refer to them as old-fashioned wieners because I fucking revile hot dogs. A skinless wiener, I think, is like an am- am- amorphous monster. Like, yeah. why? How is it holding form? That's bizarre. Nate uses these fantastic, unbelievable old-fashioned wieners. But I want him to, to orate Absolutely. to you what makes yeah. a good one and what ruins one or makes, or makes one not good. Um, one, you have to start out with really, really good meat. So I, I believe that a, the, the perfect skin-on wiener uh, tastes the best all pork. Okay. It's slightly sweeter. It's got a, just a kind of a smoother flavor. You get, you've already got that pork fat, so you don't have to add any more to your, uh, uh, to your mix. Um, I think beef gets a little bit gamey in the hot dog, and I think oftentimes beef hot dogs are packed way too tightly, so they're not juicy enough. So, sure. and then in using pork, the, the trick that we found, so the producer that made my hot dogs is not very far from where we're doing this podcast, a place called Cromarchix. Spe- I worked in college. We've brought it up before. Mike Love listens to the show. Yeah, yeah Mike. Yeah, buddy. Mike Gordianko. What's up, baby? We found that it was, I think, 27, 28% fat and the rest Ooh. meat. So, like me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Squishy. juicy, just like you. Squishy. Squishy. What's up, baby? Yeah. <laughs> my, my skin had snapped. I like some big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what that did is that with a proper, like, smoking and cooking process. So when you smoke it right, that casing, which is fairly delicate in a wiener casing, that's a lamb intestine. It's a fairly delicate casing. When you heat it up and to have the perfect hot dog, there is no exception. It must be boiled in water. And the trick is, you can drop it in at, you know, refrigerator temperature, you can drop it in frozen. But when that hot dog is ready, you got to watch them pretty kind of carefully. Once they start floating and they noticeably have just plumped a little bit, they got to come out. And when you do them in water, they'll hold that plumping for quite some time. If you steam them and you take them out of that steamer, they will instantly shrivel up and all that plumping goes away oh, pretty really? fast. Wow. And then the casing gets a little bit tough. Yep. And it's just not great. Um, if you want to grill them, again, kind of like, if you like that flavor, knock yourself out. It's different. Yeah, it's it's going to be different. Different experience. But if you want that That's hot, not a dog, hot dog hard experience. That That's... when you bite it, and there's a pretty good chance that literally liquid fat is going to rock <laughs> yeah. it out like, you know. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> the nod that Quam just gave. We've right. Been uh, <laughs> I used to tell people, and, and, well, I used to tell most people, some people more than others, you can infer. Wrap your lips around the hot dog. Get your mouth there, around it. There are it. too many jokes occurring to me during this, <laughs> and, this portion. And of this bite stuff. the hot dog. Because if you yeah. bite it with your teeth, and those of you who bite food with your teeth, which is stupid anyway. You do want your wiener to burst before it's in the bun. Get your mouth around it and bite it. <laughs> so what happens then is that if you pair it with a limited amount of toppings, just to accent the hot dog, you have a perfect hot dog. I feel that way about burgers. There are some things that Absolutely. are great when you go over yeah. the top, like mole, Charles's jerk chicken. But most things I tend to, going back to Secrets in the Kitchen, kind of like Coco Chanel, walk to the door, look in the mirror, take one, like remove one piece of jewelry or one piece of something. Yep. Take something out of the recipe, and you, sh- you still should have something great. So with the toppings I had, I had two mustards, and I had sautéed onions and a spicy relish. Pick I generally would say pick two, a mustard and a topping. Generally, that's going to be great. You can put all four in there if you want. Oh, right. Yep. It's not going to overdo it, but I think pick two, even pick one, mm-hmm. and you get that perfect flavor. 
that's what makes a perfect hot dog. And then you got to have a trashy, the highest quality, trashy, shitty white bun you can find. Yeah, good chewy, like, because it's got to hold up. The marshmallow of bread. Yes, it's got to hold up. So when you bite it, it smushes down into Mm -hmm. one seamless bite. Where, like, Kobayashi could get it near lemonade and it would just completely yes. <laughs> shake down. You need yes. a little left in your in, in the, your gum while you're yes. going for the next bite. Like, hang on a goddamn second. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, 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 of course, because we're, we're a tangential podcast, if you will. Uh, I, do, I have to give shouts out to a, a listener, Ashley King, who was my roommate when I lived in Milwaukee. And uh, my apartment ties up what we just talked about in this question perfectly. If we ever get to a question of what's the best smell and I don't want to answer the top of my wife's head because I love the way her hair smells, the number two answer with Hey, this isn't the Valentine's without episode, a fucking exactly without a doubt. <laughs> the number two answer would be what it smelled like in my apartment on Friday and Saturday nights when I lived in Milwaukee. Because I lived on the top floor of the building where the spice house is. Spice House is the origin, like the original house of Penzi's. Yes. The original Spice oh, Factory fuck. is there. Yeah. Okay. So I lived four stories above so there. thought about food all the time. They ground <laughs> everything there. It was incredible. But on Friday and Saturdays, Angelo had a Usinger sausage bratwurst cart that he would set up directly in front of the Spice House. And I had floor-to-ceiling 10-foot windows, and we would open the middle window. And the smell of all of what the Spice House ground that day and the sizzling fresh bratwursts yeah. from you singers, which was a block away, yep. would waft up. Him, uh, the best man in my wedding came out to visit me. And we got back. Like I took him out to all the bars. And Wisconsin does a very good job at getting people drunk, especially when they're visiting for the first time. No. Roadie anyone? So we had all of the beverages. And then we went upstairs. And I opened the window. And I was like, Steve, I'm going to put music on. You just got to take in the smell. So I put music on. I went pee. Came back. Steve's gone. And the first thing I did was like look out the window. Like, please tell me he didn't think there was glass there. And then he <laughs> fell out. Nope. But what I did see was Steve at the cart. Comes back up with three brats. I reach my hand out, and he goes, what the fuck is that hand for? (laughs) These are for me. He goes, you left me alone with those smells at this drunk. I'm going to do it. He sits one on each knee and eats the third one just staring at you. And he, (laughs) without even thinking about it, at point, let's say, 1-8 to 2-0, Steve did exactly what you said. There were multiple toppings, and he didn't want to overdo it on a single yep. one. So he got different sausages so he could try <laughs> the different combos of flavors. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. It was absolutely amazing. It's why I like a really good burger. Don't fuck it up and put a bunch of shit on top of it. Like one or two things, like a great cheese and a healthy amount of salt. Maybe a little bit of mayo and some caramelized onions. Mm-hmm. Like I say pick two things, put it on there. Smush it into one seamless bite and go to town. Dude, that For me is... with a burger, it's it's more about what you're putting on it because th- some things can like really get in the way. If it still tastes, if you can still taste the beef, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. okay with it. Like Al Cheval, when you do, when you go all in and you do the double with the bacon and egg. Yep. That's the limit though, because it's bacon, egg, American cheese, the like their their sauce that they put on the bun. That that's already you're pushing it right, but yep. that for me is the limit. And, you know, we all know what we call people who put ketchup on their, their wieners, right, Nate? That's a shame, dog. 
Those are chuppers. chuppers. I love being a chupper. <laughs> and when you're a chupper, sometimes you chupper too hard and you ranch. Oh, uh-oh. Ranching Fuck is ranching here. is we okay. We've so I, I think I told you guys I came up with Nate, so Nate as like an old fashioned uh, cart uh, hot dog cart guy. He he reviles people asking about ketchup and stuff like i think he can admit this now that he's not doing the card actively yes like he's like dude come on really don't Just put stop. don't put ketchup on that stop. thing right i i this is another topic i think we've discussed it briefly but i'll do ketchup on rusted potatoes fries okay cool yeah uh you want to put them on your hash browns that that's awesome a little bit of mayo and ketchup with my fries delicious you use ketchup in your sauces and stuff i don't know a yeah. lot of people put it on everything i don't care i'm, yeah. I'm not ju- i'm judging but i'm not judging but <laughs> So Nate's anti-ketchup on his wieners because he's got this very – it's like the chef telling you this is the way that you eat yep. this. It's like asking for ketchup if you're getting a fucking 60-day-age yeah. steak. Yep. Absolutely. Give me ketchup. The Donald Trump special. Well done with ketchup on it even though it's $200. Shout out to Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yes. <laughs> 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 ketchup on fucking everything. But then I, one day I came up with that term. Like let's just call, let's call them chuppers. Chuppers. <laughs> and then ranching is throwing up now because ranch yeah. is gross. So oh, man. Throw up, it's Dude, I got ranching. so drunk I ranched <laughs> all over my friend's car. <laughs> I ranched so hard. Oh God! I ranch so hard. <laughs> My this kids morning, now man. say it. Do that. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I'm gonna ranch. I'm God, gonna ranch Dad. so hard. Oh man, that's Back gross, up, man. Is... Don't make me ranch. Someone hold my ear. I'm gonna ranch. Well, uh, I believe it's shot time. It is shot time. Okay. Cha-cha. Well, here's to not ranching. I'm not ranching. This guy. <laughs> but I'm gonna chop all over you. Mm. That double tap was for you, Jenny Mueller. That's what's shop. Mm. Uh. All right, so <clears throat> right before we started recording, I found out something about you that I did not know, and that was your background in uh, musical theater, et cetera, et cetera, which makes this question, I think, even more uh, important. If you had to pick, for a lot of people out there that have never met you, that are listening to this, if you had to pick whether it's um, a character from a movie, an actual movie, a book, a song, a band, is there something that if you listen to this or if you read this or if you watch this, you'd have a pretty good window into your world. Is there something that comes to mind? Like whether it's something that just makes your heart beat or something that's very, very similar to you or anything like that. And I know that's kind of a deep question. So No, no. Um, I'm the musical. Th- so I graduated with a vocal performance degree intended to go into musical theater as a full-time career. And it, it ended up being something I wasn't as enamored with as I thought after I did my first kind of what I guess you would call professional show. But if I had to say what really makes me come alive as far as music is concerned, especially performing, um, Stephen Sondheim would be Oof. top of the top. Yeah. Um, Into the Woods. Um, for those of you who don't know who Mandy Patinkin is, um, if you've ever watched Homeland or Criminal Minds, Mandy Patinkin is the penultimate, along with Bernadette Peters, the penultimate Stephen Sondheim, I, do we say aficionado yeah, or expert? Not everybody likes the way Mandy Patinkin sings, but the emotion and the, I guess, gravitas that he, like just the... Like, just the soul that he sings with is just incredible. And that, to me, was what was so spectacular about musical theater. And what was great is that I had a professor in college 
that was a huge Sondheim fan. And Stephen Sondheim always saves his most beautiful melodies and lyrics for the darkest of themes. That's fucking for real right there. And it's kind of, it, I think it's super cool because you take the music, which is beautiful, and what you're singing about, which is not beautiful, and then you pair those two together. That's spectacular. That's, that's what made me come alive. Oh, man, that's, that's actually, that's awesome. And it's weird even just hearing you reference that because now I can start to see that. Like, sometimes we are defined by the things that we love. It doesn't have to become our whole personality. But if you can see what somebody else loves, then you're like, okay, I get why that person likes that. Yeah. Like, Charles, same question to you. Is there anything in uh, – and we, it doesn't have to just be the things that I listed. It could be a, a video game. It could be a, a show. It could be anything. I think I'm going to approach this in a, in a different way, the way that I interpreted it when you first told me sure. about this question. So I thought it was – I thought the question was was more akin to like what uh, pop media, music, real or fictional person would you relate to most yeah. is, was my interpretation. That also works. But I want to I'm going to flip this on its side because what occurred to me and Nate's wearing a fucking shirt of, of this program right now. So Nate got me to love Ted Lasso. It's so okay? good. Oh, it's Which so good. Is, yes. It's so if, you, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched Ted Lasso, come on, man. Oh, The feel-good show of 2020. And we needed a feel-good show in 2020 of this, like, magnitude. Believe me. So Spectacular. Unbelievable. So Nate, Nate to me, watching that show, it wasn't just because you recommended it to me. Nate reminds me, or Ted Lasso reminds me of Nate. Very much so. Like, his sense of humor and, and his compassion and, and uh, his... Uh, uh, lightheartedness and, and making anecdotes about things. You know, Nate's, Nate's not always a, a sunflower, but, like, the, the like way he inflects his voice, yeah. Ted Lasso, right? Also, it, your ability to just strike up a conversation with anyone anywhere because you don't care what anyone else thinks. You're just interested in talking to somebody. Just that person at the, the moment. The very first time that I actually got to, like, get introduced to you and meet you, that was the thing that I came away with. And that is something that I still think about you all these years later is that is something that I love seeing in somebody else because that's somebody that's just interested in other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. J- Jason Sudeikis could play Nate in the Nate Dogs movie. Okay? <laughs> that's but then awesome. here's, here's the other side of the coin because that's, that's half the equation, right? I also, because <laughs> if, if I'm talking about myself, I, and I told Nate this as I was watching the show, uh, me and my, my, my twenty, my early twenties, mid twenties. I was Roy Kent. Absolutely, you were, dude. I thought that, and I didn't even know. I so watching that, that, I was like, wow, this is a mirror. <laughs> Just because, like, uh, so like acerbic and like mad for no fucking reason all the time, and people would be like, "Are you upset right now?" And I'd be like, "No, I'm not." Which <laughs> like, is very eyebrows Roy literally Kent. glued together at the middle because they're so furrowed. Yep. Oh man, yep. yeah. So like seeing that, I'm like, yeah, okay. Oh. I, I see. I see, I see what this guy's problem is. I understand it on a personal level. I've, uh, I've, I've been through, um, in my adult life, I've been through two skinny phases and two fat phases. Currently in a fat phase. And uh, phase. skinny phase, uh, I do somewhat resemble 
Jason Sudeikis when I, I had a little bit of a poof kind of... Was like, that someone... Was that I the person that, you yeah. said someone told you you looked like it's, on one of our... No, multiple, I totally see that. Multiple people. Yeah. Uh, I actually randomly just got referenced... You're a handsome man. Got referenced yesterday. Uh, there is a dude on a friend of mine's softball team that still only calls me Sudeikis because he didn't oh, ever... Really? Never actually got my name. He just called me Sudeikis for an entire golf tournament because I was talking a bunch of shit and like whatever. And he still doesn't actually know what my name is. You don't realize what you've just done... If anyone who listens to the show hasn't seen your face, which is pretty common for me for some of the podcasts that I listen to, and we don't just have listeners that we know. We have many listeners yeah. that do not know us. If you look at our listener accounts, we got a lot of friends, but not that many. They're going to think, they're just going to picture Jason Sudeikis <laughs> with a grumblier voice. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> I just, just you picture a really tall, chubbier Jason Sudeikis. Well, and the, 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 the worst part was, it worked, no, great. I picture it worked great. It worked great when he was married to Olivia Wilde because yeah. I'm. Wait, he's not anymore? No, they, they, they weren't ever married. She, they were oh, just they engaged. Were yeah, no. she, uh, she left him for Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Yeah. Oh, my, okay. my one daughter loves Harry Styles. I remember when I was, when I was single, I was like, Man, Olivia, come on. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But actually, now I'm like, he's pretty cool. I'll just so, tell you. So if my <laughs> if daughter Grace... really funny. If works. my daughter Grace hears this, she's going to be like, Harry Styles is not a homewrecker, but he is. That, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I will also say for anybody out there watching... I barely know what Harry Styles is. <laughs> not to, that's pr- good. I have good. someone who can educate you. Actually, I don't even know if I'd say good. His last record was really fucking good. You listen to every, really good. You've listened to no, every record. No, it's really good. Can you? I tried so. with One Direction. It's not good. No, but okay. Harry Styles' record one, is very wait, wait. good. Is he from One Direction? He was the yeah. hot one with long he was, hair yeah, from the, kind of the flowing one hair one in One Direction. I mean, I can't picture them, but I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. She, yeah. Uh, his, his newest, the, the is last the album record. Titled Water? My, my daughter will hate me that I don't know this. What's the current album titled? I don't even remember. I don't know. I just with watermelon sugar. I yeah, I have it. Yeah, right. I have it on my Spotify. I was talking about how manly Harry Styles was, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's the first time I've seen Harry Styles because then they someone did a side by side of him and Ben Shapiro. He looks like a he looks like a like a ball of play doh that just got dumped out of the can yeah. and you put a wig on it. He's it's he's like carving the cranberry sauce out you, of the can. If you just stretched a child into a grown up and then give him a fucking fart face, that's Ben Shapiro. I got nothing nice to say about him. Uh, but for going back to Ted Lasso, uh, at, not to make this dark, but um, it's the most real depiction of divorce that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, the, yeah d- I remember the, you saying that. The yeah. divorce yeah. panic attack scene. Yeah. I honestly had to turn it off. I couldn't even it's finish. Visceral. I yeah. couldn't even finish the episode yeah. because there was about a three-month portion of my life where I was a, a, a hair away from that moment at all times. Yeah, and obviously, like you get past it, you you figure out which what you want to change in your life, and you change things, and you meet somebody, and you fall in love, and it's it, it almost it's like an echo from a life that I don't even remember, right? Yeah. But um, watching him get served, I, so I got, <laughs> this is a weird story to tell. Um, my whole thing was uh, my, my ex had found somebody else and immediately moved in with him. And I just said, I'm, I'm not going to fight you on anything. I just don't want to pay for the actual divorce. Like, as long as you file the papers, we'll be good. And there was a fight back and forth about that for a while. And then I got served divorce papers at my job. And I laughed like a maniac because 
I like I looked like a serial killer, but I laughed because it was like it, it was a spontaneous release of stress. Like, okay, this is finally going to be done and we're good. But then it was also accepting the finality of like a massive failure in my life that was the most public failure I've ever had. Everyone knew. Everyone knew what was going on. Everybody knew how it went down. And I couldn't escape Minnesota for a while. So that happened and then I left the state. I took a job in another state and I bounced for a little while. And uh, there were more than a few nights where it was just the fact that everything that I thought was true six months before was gone. Yeah. Uh, and I had panic attacks about it and I kept it as quiet as I could and I kept it away from everybody. And when he leaves the bar and is trying to just get away and it happens too soon and then obviously she finds him, that was so fucking real. Like it shook me. I could not, I could not get away from that. And now since then I've watched that episode five times Yeah, because it's one of the best acting performances I've ever seen from somebody that's usually known for comedy and in a show that's pretty lighthearted, but it's so fucking real. Well, yeah, he, he shows range, and he doesn't necessarily have to. It's good writing, too. Because yeah, he oh. could just be the pep in his step, making analogies and jokes guy, right. but that, that no, shows but range. No, but that's what's great about that show is they have all this lighthearted kind of, you know, schlock. Yep. And then you're hit with this kablamo moment where, you know, the, the woman who owns the club is yep. trying to get back at her ex who was a philandering degenerate. And they gave her depth. And they gave her depth. So she shares moments that are super um, uh, vulnerable. Yep. And I'm a huge fan of spaces and moments that allow people to be vulnerable and they're kind of their most... <laughs> Charles is putting stickers on himself. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> We're now at an AA meeting. Hi, my name is Tom. Pro- property of Tom Bird, apparently. Oh, God. There's, oh. Nothing, there's nothing better than a conversation this serious than watching somebody peel a Pull sticker. Pull a sticker on him. That was perfect. That was God. can crinkling their cans on all our stickers. This is, knife. This That's is hilarious. This is exactly why we do this podcast. Yes. I love everything about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to... to nope, uh, no, I, I guess I like... I like spaces where people are allowed to be for vulnerable sure. and allowed to be not okay. And for that to be something that people can go, wait a minute, when I feel like that, that's okay? And I can do that? Yep. Yep, you can do that. And I'm getting bullied at school and I don't feel really awesome. That's okay if I don't feel really awesome? Yep. Because that sucks and I know what that feels like. Absolutely, man. Yep. Ugh, it's like so good. Like when, <clears throat> for those that have seen the show, when the owner of the club is really not feeling it because her ex shows up at their fundraiser and steals the show again and she steps outside to try to compose herself and suddenly Jason Sudeikis' character Ted Lasso is like are you okay? and she just like the, the wall comes down yep. and then she realizes it came down and she whoop whips it back up again yeah. but for that moment it came down and you're like that's, that's who that that's is that's who she is and, and the fact that he keeps making her cookies yeah is spectacular, even when he's pissed at her and he's like, it's my best match yet. Oh, uh, you know what? That was the worst part of the program oh, for me. So was no, like, no, 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 the no, worst part. It was it. the reveal. I wish they showed her reaction a right. little more succinctly. Yes. Like the realization that, motherfucker, <coughs> this guy's been the making the cookies. But it, they just swept right past it. Yeah. There's probably a reason for it. They're yeah. like, ah, maybe they tried it and it was like too deliberate. Yeah. Yep. But I wish that you could see her be like, that's my best match yet. Oh, it's this, so good. This, this is a good person. Yeah. 
But they breeze past it. Like, that's, I finally cracked it. That's, uh-huh. what, that's what he finally cracked the damn recipe. And then he storms out of the room. Oh, dude, we're, oh, my God. We just, spoiler alert. Oh, nah, it's all right. <laughs> if you haven't watched it yet, you deserve to be spoiled. Also, there's no context. Okay, there's nope. no context for what we just said nope. if you haven't seen the show. And it doesn't, like, it does, it's not a whole. You won't remember that. It's not a major like, plot swing either. It's yeah, we just didn't like say someone died. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you will forget that. Yeah. Uh, MIB, here's, I'm doing a little MIB. <laughs> You're all done. Yeah, we're uh, just tuning in. Thanks for tuning into another episode of <laughs> LFE. <Hello. laughs> well, is it party time? It's I think party. it is. I think it's party time. Oh, fuck. I, I got to answer my own question. Sorry. What the uh, fuck? So, okay. Um, <laughs> you fucking guy. Well, the, 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 most obvious, <laughs> the most obvious answer to this one I'm not going to give because uh-huh. he may be a guest coming up. Uh, I share a birthday with one of my favorite songwriters, and uh, we'll, more to more to come. Uh, I think um, I, I went back and forth about this a lot because some of like the movies and shows that I've loved the most uh, emulated me at a certain point, or I emulated them at a certain point in my life. Uh, I, I think I just want to say, um, if you ever want to hear somebody who understood uh, how beautiful the colors of the world are. And how great it is to love, but also how painful things can be. Uh, listen to some Frightened Rabbit or, or some Scott Hutchison. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, we lost him a couple years ago. And I don't know if anybody has uh, talked directly to the, the weird, cobwebby, dark parts of, of my heart better than, than he did. Um, but there's always, in every song, there's like a, a ray of hope. Like, it's easy to be depressed to be depressed. It's easy to say that there's nothing. It's hard to say, especially with a sticker on your forehead. We keep fucking stuff up with stickers. It's, well, no, but it's, it's hard to say that everything sucks. Like, there, there should be... He has, he has this incredible breakup song called Poke about how if I poke myself in the eye, my eye will cry. But I honestly can't bring myself to, like, cry about this. And the, the very last line of the song is, I hate when I feel like this, but I never hated you. And to end a breakup song with, I hate when I feel like I shouldn't like you, but I never hated you, is such a, like, it's not who I am, but it's, it's who I want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I can dig that. And I think his interaction and, and sadly the taking of his own life, it was a constant wrestle with depression and anxiety and it's something that I deal with every day, and I'm not as, as, as well-spoken as he was, and I'm not as creative to come up with art about it. I try and figure out half the time how to hide it from everybody that likes me. And Frightened Rabbit's music actually made me feel like somebody could, could explain what I couldn't find words for, even as much as I pride myself in being able to talk about anything. What's, what's the genre of it? Because a lot of people, the aforementioned, my neighbor Ken, sure. loves Frightened Rabbit. Yeah. He was also devastated yep when uh he took his own life what, what would you characterize the music like, as I think, i've never listened to it i think I indie mean, rock is a is a pretty easy indie rock. yeah okay. indie rock is a pretty right. easy are way. there any correlatives i might know um like, fuck uh i'm trying to think of who i could compare them to uh you know I, i'll say in in their in their grandiose side of their catalog uh very on point with like um like the way that you two write songs, like there's there is there are huh. big builds. His little brother was the drummer, so 
there's a lot of builds that turn into like anthemic choruses because a lot of his words were about I'm trying to shout back my depression and I'm trying to shout back yeah. the failings that I worry about all the time. So there's a lot of like sing-along choruses. And then the flip side of it is um, very, very intimate acoustic ballads. So everything from like sort of like a, a Ben Lee side of things okay. um, all, all the way across to like Springsteen's and, and, and okay. Tom Petty kind of That's stuff. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make it a point to I got I to gotta check that out. Yeah, I, there, um, it's been a while now, and uh, I know you, you post about it semi-frequently. Yeah. Can, yeah. It was just, it was, it's weird when you find somebody that sounds like they speak a language that you thought you only heard in your head. And um, the, the very first uh, al- album that I heard was called Painting, for, Painting of a Panic Attack. And it's a great record. It's absolutely great. But the one, if you're looking for a place to start with their catalog, um, The Midnight Organ Fight came out in 2008. And uh, it has everything from Polk, that song that I just talked about, that's literally like him and a guitar talking about a breakup, to the most like foot stomping. I Literally, my fucking license plate cover is a lyric of this. But there's a song called uh, Head Rolls Off that's basically like, when my head rolls off, someone else's will turn. Like, it doesn't really matter. This is just a continuum. There's always going to be more people. But while I'm alive, I'm going to make tiny changes on Earth. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to change the world, but I'll make tiny changes, and I'll make it a little bit better. And uh, for any of you out there that are more charity-inspired, uh, uh, his little brother, after Scott passed, um, his little brother actually started a charity called Tiny Changes. And they're working on uh, mental health initiatives for youths. So young men can learn how to talk about their feelings and how to talk about depression. For the world to actually start talking about feelings, especially yep. amongst men. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's Honestly, wild. what what are we waiting for? That that's it. Um I've I've got a great story. I watch it at least once a month and I have a sort of a connected relative. It's uh the husband of the sister of my sister in law. Uh and he, he's just a very caring, sensitive soul. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a, a, a person named Father Gregory Boyle. You yeah. Guys, have you heard of him? Absolutely. So Father Gregory Boyle runs a, an organization, a nonprofit called Homeboy Industries, yep. specifically catering to, I, I believe, if I get this right, Latino gang members and, and ex-gang members. Really? And there's a video that I have saved, and it came up in my memories, and my, my, my friend Mick reminded me of this and I said I watch it once a month and it's a video where he brings uh, every time he goes to speak somewhere he'll bring some homies to fly in a plane just so he can watch him freak out on the plane because he thinks it's hilarious and so the most tattooed person at Homeboy Industries works the bakery counter at their bakery because so they have a bakery that's part of this uh, ministry I guess you could call it or this charity his name is Mario and he's got like I think it's it's finished or something like that on his eyelids so that when he's dead, everyone's, like, positive that he's dead. <laughs> and, you know, this woman stands up, and she asks a question to Mario, and he's absolutely petrified, and she's like, you know, what do you hope your kids grow up to be like? And he's like, I just hope they don't grow up to be like, you know, to be like me. And this woman says, why wouldn't they want to be like you? You're tender, you're kind, you're giving and he's super emotional in telling of this story. And, he, and Father Gregory Boyle says, only the soul that ventilates the world with tenderness has any chance of changing the world. Dude, that's it. That's it. That's it, man. 
that's what you're just talking about. Ugh. It's we think we have to be these masculine or strong, you know, feminine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's ever going to change the world is that tenderness. And it's like that's the ticket, man. I went to a I went to a Will Steger event a couple of years ago about climate change. And uh, he had a ton of speakers coming up. But unfortunately, one of the gentlemen, I, I didn't catch his name because I was also serving beer. And uh, he was uh, 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 an elder in uh, one of the Native American communities here in Minnesota. And uh, he started his speech by saying, everyone in this room is human. We all dream of being superheroes, but we're all humans. Empathy is our only superpower. And mm-hmm. we, we have to express it. Yes. And that's, I think that's the core of what I try to be. It's not what I am, but the core of what I try to be is that's that. That's cool, yeah. You know, and and it's, it'll be a forever project. But I think there's no better time to, than to cheers for that. Love you guys. Love cheers, you guys, fellas. too. Love you, too. So you can say that. Totally. You can, you can say that. Oh, man. It's almost like it gets a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. I feel like somebody mentioned that earlier. Oh, wait, I did. Settling upon your palates. It gets much sweeter as you go. And I will say, to tag on that, for all the guys out there, tell all of your good friends, look them in the eye and go, I love you. Mm -hmm. Not slap them on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and love you, man. Go, I love you. Whether on Zoom or however it is. Sometime in the future. And when you can hug Mm -hmm. them, hug the shit out of them. Not this side hug, chest stiff. We're huggers. Kind of we're, hug. we're huggers. We are yeah. huggers. We're big like, huggers. Hug the shit. And everyone that knows me from Nate Dogs knows that I hug everybody. Yeah. Some people I hug, they probably didn't really appreciate it. But you know what? That's just my jam. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hot dog and a hug. I, yep. uh, that's not true. My, that's right. My middle yeah, sister. Literally everybody. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that'll be an extra $3. A wiener and a hug. <laughs> hey, wait. Oh, oh hey. My, uh, my middle sister hates hugs. Is that why he was hugs. leaning back? I don't And understand. once a year I have to hug her. Like What's she, hate, my middle sister hates hugs. Oh, really? The middle okay. sister-in-law, not not a fan. Not a fan. You know, you hug a lot of people when this is the second person on the show you've mentioned that does not like me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hug. I mean, there's anybody out there that knows me. Feel free to comment. I am a I am a rampant and generous hugger. Absolutely, because it's the greatest feeling ever. It is. It is nice. A good hug. A it shitty nice. hug, also one of the worst. It is. I would take a shitty uh, limp-wristed handshake mm. over over a bad oh, hug. Yeah. I hate a bad like, hug. You're, you go in to like, hug that friend, and yeah. they literally their whole chest does the like arching <laughs> trout away from you. You've already You're like, committed. Why bother? Or no, you... are they like they poke you with their shoulder bone? Uh-huh. Like, or they do the <laughs> thing that it feels like they're just tapping your back with wet pasta, like just. <laughs> Like it's not a full hug. You know, it's it's like just the turn away. Yeah, they the just one go, hand, bing, and then they bing, poke you bing, in like, the chin yeah. with their shoulder, get, and they get away yeah, with turn that. away, and then they kind of like take a wide swing at your yep. the, the, the top of your shoulder. <laughs> That's like, did your arms what, turn what into kelp? What, what the what, fuck what, is that? Get away from me! I thought we already agreed to do this. Like when you guys had Steph March on, I was like, I love hugs from. Oh my god, she is a hugging legend. You know what? I'll tell you guys this. I've only hugged one person other than my wife in the last year Stephanie March after the uh-huh. episode yeah. I think that we'd been imbibing uh-huh. and she just ran over and gave me a squeeze and it was very satisfying yep. I was, it yes. just made me so happy you know like yep. just to have somebody else give you a hug and of course it, I'm, I'm elated that it was someone who was good at hugging yes. instead of someone running up and grabbing you and being like god 
damn it, after all this, you had to run up and give me your fucking limp arm thigh squeeze? <laughs> Get out no, of here. She gave me, yeah, she gave me a nice hug, and then I was like, we were wearing our masks, but uh, you yeah. know, due to the abundance of caution, I was like, oh, man, was that cool? But then, like, all right, yeah, that, was, that cool. was nice. It felt nice. My, my wife will confirm this. Uh, uh, my wife and Charles's wife are going to be our guests next week on a Valentine's, a very special Valentine's oh, Day episode. On a very special on a very Would you have Chuck Woolery? Yeah, I'm a, two and two. Two and two. <laughs> and, and a we'll lot of Trump two two. bullshit. Anyway. Uh, um, Chuck Woolery. Jenny, Jenny will, Jenny will I, I, I hope anyway, <laughs> will back me up on this. Uh, when it flipped from friends into thinking about more, it was the first time that we hugged. Uh, we had been joking for weeks that we were, we were both way weirder than anybody could ever believe. The time of and my life. <laughs> we were in between uh, North Bar and South Bar at Kieran's. This way before. And she had, I think she had gotten cut, and I was like the bartender that was going to be staying all night. And I thought maybe I was going to get cut, so I was going to go with her, like go have a couple drinks. And I'm like, ah, I'm stuck here. Well... And we did that whole, like, we've been flirting and talking for quite a while. And we did the whole, like, is it a high five or a fist bump or you know, whatever. And we yeah. hugged. And mm-hmm. my wife gives incredible hugs. We hugged. And literally, as her face was, like, in my shoulder, I heard her go, oh, fuck. <gasps> and no stopped, way. And we stopped hugging. And she goes, that was really good. And then she just walked away and she walked out. No way. And that was literally when my brain went She's like. She's a hug judger. My, ha- my, my brain was like, so you're saying there's a chance. Like, oh my God. Because up until that point, I was like, there's no fucking way this woman would give a fuck about me. Yeah. Okay. But that hug. <laughs> We're going to have to. That was real. This is, this is going to now lead into perhaps our conversation for next week. Because based on that experience and then my wife. And my first date, there's there's some commonalities. I like you're saying right. like one in a hundred. So we're setting her up. <laughs> More like one in a million. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. All right, let's do it, Doctor Awad. Let's go. There is a doctor. Don't Google me oh. as Doctor Wad. Sorry. That guy is a he's a he's a rampant serial. No, he's a <laughs> he's a doctor in Tampa or something. He's no, his name is Charles Abad too. Hi, everybody. He's an imposter. <laughs> he thinks he's pretty cool, but he's hi, Doctor Charles. A doctor. Here we go. Where where are we? All right, let's do it, Nate. We're back to cigars, my friend. Holy, yeah. you know I gotta. Oh, I gotta for capitalize. the record, it's criminal. That we can't be smoking cigars I in know, this hall. I know, I know. Everything about this hall Dude, we totally, says I mean, smoking. We the first <clears throat> time the first time Charles and I came in here I'm to annoyed. record. By the way, we're going to take be, a second and just give it would props. Be a great venue for that to Ugh. our good friends at the PNA Hall, who Dude, week in and week out, big time, come up with. Yep, we can come do this. Uh, they are starting to pick up right now. So if you're looking to book an event. Uh, there's a couple different times in the last two weeks that we've had to try and figure out how to work around tours that are coming in here. And it really is old school charm with, again, an incredibly affordable and awesome venue in the heart of Northeast Minneapolis, has its own parking lot. This place is the jam. No yeah. shit. This place is fantastic. So That's why we're here. Anyway. All right. We've been teasing this long enough. Teasing it. Yeah. So this is a three-tiered question, man. We're getting fucking complex over here. Nate, I know you got good answers for all this. Favorite pairings for smoking cigars. This is threefold, okay? 
food to smoke after because everybody knows you don't smoke a cigar while you're eating. That's fucking stupid. Beverage to pair with because you can do that. And activity to smoke during. Sorry for the Izzy Zansari impression on that last one. That's actually pretty good. (laughs) What was the last one? Activity to smoke during. Like what's your favorite time to smoke a cigar? Like favorite thing to do while you're smoking a cigar? All right. These all three of these are going to revolve around the AM hours of the day. Beauty. Oh shit! Um, favorite food to pair a cigar with, or to smoke a cigar after? I or mean, to if smoke, you smoke a cigar, a cigar after, while reading, that's your prerogative. A delicious classic French croissant. Oh, oh shit! Okay, it's a good answer. I love Come it. Come on, I had well, never even thought about that. Not a big. I'm not a big breakfast guy, but croissants. Butter croissants. Uh, you mean a croissant? A you can croissant? leave that chocolate, pan au chocolat shit. That's if you love it, yeah. knock yourself out. But okay. classic French croissant. It's the buttery, just yeah. all butter yes. all the time. Best beverage, and no one will tell me otherwise. Okay. A exceptional, natural processed Ethiopian coffee. Okay. Is the best beverage for me to pair with my favorite kind of cigar. Sure. Floral, earthy. A so little bit coffee, like a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, you know, a pour over, sure. a really high quality drip machine, um, brewed coffee. That's my favorite. Good amount of time, not scorched. Correct. Lots of the oil yep. still present. I happen to be a big fan. I've had it for a number of years, well before you could even buy it in shops. I've got a, a European coffee maker called the Technovorm Mocha Ooh, Master. Those are nice as fuck. They're super nice. Yeah. And it was worth every penny of the 300 dollars we spent for what's it, it called the it's the company technivorm technivorm mocha master okay. and it brews a drip coffee exactly like a good pour over it's spectacular cool so find a great coffee bean brew it how you like it i and my reasoning behind that is is that cigars and coffee are produced in almost exactly the same way Coffee beans True. are harvested. And in many and, of the same places. Yes. At same latitudes, mm-hmm. almost across the board. Um, coffee beans are harvested. Tobacco leaves are plucked off the plant. Then they're somehow dried. So coffee beans are dried in one of two ways. They're natural processed. Coffee cherries are allowed to dry in the sun. All that berry flavor goes into the bean. Mm-hmm. They slough the bean off, continue to dry until it's totally dry. Coffee beans are then roasted ground and made into your coffee Mm -hmm. cigar leaves are bunched together hung in curing barns allowed to dry for i believe it's trying to remember 30 days or 60 30 days which by the way i will just say if any of you listening travel anywhere that tobacco harvesting is a thing go and just smell what the drying barn smells like it's incredible that is Top five, maybe top ten yes. smells I've ever, ever, ever so, inhaled. Yeah, so tobacco leaves are fully dried. Then they're fermented. And coffee beans are also fermented. When they're, when they're drying in the sun, that cherry is fermenting and imparting flavor into the bean. When they're dry, you know, kind of when that cherry is pulped off in water, that's also essentially kind of a fermentation there. Uh, so you have a fermentation as part of the process. And then the tobacco is fermented for sometimes several years then it's rolled into a cigar aged again and then when you light it you essentially roast it and you enjoy that flavor through that smoke with coffee you brew it and you have essentially roasted it 
to get all that flavor. It's the most complimentary to me flavor profiles yeah. across the board. A lot of people will talk about scotch, brandy, cognac, um, any of those flavors, bourbon going really well with cigar. Port, they do. Port, barley wine. They stout. go ex- ex- exceptionally well. My personal favorite, coffee. Um, and then place to smoke it or time of day, walking my dog along the river in Anoka. Sure. First thing in the morning, best cigar I have all day. That's beautiful. That's my favorite. Oh, I love that. All right. So for me, again, as still, I would say a novice. Like, I'm the, I'm the lowest difficulty level on a video game right now. Like, that's, that's kind of my shit. So uh, the first one is the food to, to uh, smoke after, right? Yep. So I, I mean, obviously, like, a really great steak is an, an easy thing to say. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite uh, post-meal cigar that I've ever had, though, was uh, a burger that I made. Mm-hmm. I... I I, I've tried I, not every time, but I'd say probably three quarters of the time now. I make my own burger blend. Yep. I, I pulse it in my food processor. I add in a little bit of frozen butter. Uh, my newest thing, and this is actually where it came from, uh, I've been making cacio e pepe compound butter that I just keep in my freezer. Anthony and then, Bourdain is looking down on you from heaven. <laughs> and I'll cook pasta, and then with the hot pasta, I just shave the butter. With Parmesan, mm. black pepper, and mm. salt. Shave it over the hot pasta, and then I spoon a little bit of pasta water back in. You magnificent bastard. So I, uh, I had a little nugget left that was not enough for even a single serving of cacio e pepe pasta. Mm-hmm. But I was going to make a burger. So I chopped up the cacio e pepe butter, and I put it in the burger. Oh, and delicious. I pan fried it in my cast iron. Yep. And my wife was out of town, and I had a nice $15 cigar, and I went outside and I smoked it afterwards. What, what cigar did you smoke? It was uh, Macanudo. Uh, it was a longer Macanudo, and I honestly, I'm fucking sad that I can't remember what kind it was, but it was from Tobacco Grove, and they had walked me through like three or four different options, and originally I had got it because I wanted to pair it with this super fucking spicy uh, California cab that I had. And I started eating the burger, and the black pepper in the burger was like, smoke a cigar, smoke a cigar. It's like the cab. So I never actually even opened the bottle of wine. I ate the burger, and I made a little roasted potatoes, and then I went outside, and I smoked that cigar. And that, like, again, bringing back to the unctuousness of it, my my mouth was completely coated in beef fat, butter, and black pepper. Yeah. And that first inhale where I got all of those dark notes from the cigar and then that sweet vanilla exhale yeah. was such a perfect pairing. Yeah, like, totally. I, I, I swooned literally. Oh, my God. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah. uh, fuck. What was, what was the second part of it? So it was the food. Beverage. Food, beverage. Oh, beverage. Experience and, like, just the scenario. Yeah. I'm still for, – for beverages, I am still um, – I have – I, I, I work in craft beer for a living, and previous to that, I would have said five years ago, cocktails first, wine second, beer third. I drank more beer, but I cared more about my wine and my food, and now I've learned to kind of, like, my, my beer knowledge and my love of beer has just more grown exponentially, yeah. exponentially yeah. right? But uh, cigars are still, it comes back to 
I love a beautiful, and it used to be that I wanted to pair it with like a peppery Zin or like a really bold tannic cab. Honestly, right now my favorite pairing is like a really bright and fruity Chianti with a really spicy cigar. Yep. Because my mouth doesn't stop watering as I go back and forth between the two. Lighter wrap, but like the bright Chianti. Yep, exactly. My favorite cigars are super floral. You know what I pair them with? Uh, French Provence Rosé. There you go. Spectacular. I think that that would be beautiful, and I've literally never thought about that. It's exceptional. That sounds sounds great. It's super good. Uh, And uh, I am the exact opposite of you for my favorite time to smoke. Uh, My favorite cigar that I've ever smoked in my life, and I probably will die still saying this, was the night before my wedding. My wife stayed in the suite at the hotel, and she had her whole night. Uh, my wedding photographer, who was a friend of mine, and I went out to see Tim Niver and J.D. Fratsky at Strip Club, and we had a beautiful night. Uh, our friend Lindsay Abraham was there. It was awesome. And then I went home by myself. I was home at probably 9.30 or 10, and I had one really nice cigar that I had been saving. And I brought my lawn chair, and I went out onto my front lawn, and I put my lawn chair out, and I grabbed my computer, and I put a cigar in my mouth, and I said, I'm going to smoke this and keep writing until I feel like I'm done. Yep. And I sat outside. It was at that point midnight, maybe 1230 in the morning. And no one, you know, obviously uh, must have been a Friday night. So everybody was like out at bars or whatever. And it was just dead silent, clear sky, moon shining down. And that was the most majestic, beautiful thing ever. Because the whole world was out there, but there wasn't any noise. It was just me and the smoke of this cigar and whatever thoughts came into my head. And I still have everything that I wrote that night. Yeah. And I saved that one just for me. Yep. That's, that's a, thoughts on why I love the woman that I love. Thoughts why I'm okay accepting positivity into my life. Thoughts on who I used to be and what I don't like about that and what I want to be better about. And I love going back to that and reading it. And I love that I've never shared it with anybody. And every time I read it, I can smell that cigar. I could smell those notes, and that was paradise to me. Damn, I want a cigar right now. <laughs> Dude, yeah, we so, can my cigars. Charles, you got to answer your own question, man. Yeah. In terms of uh, food experiences, a, a cigar after enduring def- decadence is, is, like, such a great thing. Like, any decadent meal, typically, like, a steak. Like, you have a crazy big steak. Uh, some foie gras, things of that nature, duck breast. And then you, you, you debrief from that meal by, you know, sipping on some port and smoking a cigar. It's almost like a continuation of the experience. Like you're having such a great time. You don't want it to end and you want to maintain that high level. Just like feeling like you're a big deal for another hour. You fire up a cigar. Yeah. Uh, I would say that adjacent to that, the the best cigar I've ever had, or my favorite experience having a cigar, if if I'm gonna go to those lengths as well to to mention that, was uh, the French Laundry. When we were at the French Laundry, oh, I discovered so while we were there that they Damn. had they just when they reopened their kitchen they had their uh, their humidor installed and they had a cigar sommelier cicerone. I don't know. I don't even know what you call sommelier. it. Sommelier. Yeah. Is it, is yep. it called a cigar sommelier, or is there a name for it? 
Um, no, I think it's cigar sommelier. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I mean, that, that would maybe yeah, be that the term. Be, I don't know if there's a specific I, yeah, term. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I do not know. Yeah. Tobacconista. Discovering that was a revelation for me because I was like, oh my God. I, I believe it's cigar you guys sommelier. Have cigars, so they dropped a cigar menu on the table, and we thought we were going back to our hotel. The sun's going down, and they're but like, we're not. will you meet nope. us on the veranda? Nope. <laughs> yeah, will you meet us on the veranda and smoke a, a cigar? And I was like, will I um, 100%. Listen, guys, you're laying it on pretty thick, and I don't know if I appreciate the fact that you're hitting every single box that I love. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. And, and uh, they had the uh, 1926 Padron, 80-year anniversary. Also, here's just an envelope full of cash. Are you okay with that, too? Dude, it was, man, it was a transformative experience because, well, basically, yeah. that's, that is essentially yeah. the way I behaved. Because at the time, it was for our second anniversary, and I was trying to act like I was a bigger deal than I was. <laughs> we all do, dude. I mean, obviously, it was already, like, a lot was happening, yeah. but I was like, all right, dude, I'm I'm going for it. So I got that 80-year anniversary Padron, and they showed us the spirits list and the digestive list. I was like, are you kidding me? Look at this fucking list. So I got the Yamazaki 25-year. Oh. oh, my goodness. And, and Marnie ordered a port. Arigato. And she, she smoked a little bit of cigar with me. She didn't sure. order her own. She does like to smoke a cigar from time to time. But what ended up occurring is we were watching the sun go down over all of the the grape vineyards oh, come on. laid out before us. And I enjoyed be this beautiful ass. cigar, one of my favorite cigars on earth. And then here's the other thing. When they came to pour us our this is this just shows this just goes to show that service is everything when it comes to of course. experience. When they were pouring that that spirit for me. The guy poured it in the crystal glass, and it was the appropriate amount. I think it was 1.5 ounces. And reared back the bottle and then said, whoops, and then poured in again. And I was like, are you kidding? Did you really just do that? And then Marnie ordered a port, like a nice port, and he was like, I thought you would enjoy this more, and came out with like a 1972 port. Just the, these are creme de la creme service people. Absolutely. So that, as far as like singular experience, that was dumb. That was dumb. Can I'll I, never experience something like that. Oh, God. Almost I, certainly, like that exact scenario. Wild. Can I ask a question before we move to the next one? Uh, have either of you done cigars and cheese? Is, uh, is, yeah. What, how do you feel about that pairing? Um, like during? I wouldn't. No, like smoke a cigar and then have a fine cheese. Mm. I, I'm like, it's okay. So... The, the, the bougiest bullshit that I've ever pulled in my life, I pulled for my 40th birthday. And uh, my wife and I grabbed all of the people that were kind of involved in our wedding. France? Yeah, and we rented a, we rented a chateau in France, mm. in Burgundy. And Shit, uh, nice. the guy that owned it uh, had his chateau uh, about 45 minutes or an hour away. Do they, and, I can't even say this with do a it, face. Do, it. do they have a French laundry there? <laughs> they do. And oddly enough, oddly, here's the best part. Here's the best part. Three of us, oui? took, a, three of us took a picture in the laundry room so that we could say yeah. that we were in the French laundry. That's <laughs> a French laundry. Yep. We, were, we were drinking some fucking bullshit, like $6 a bottle. Or, well, I stand sorry. corrected. No, it, here's the best part. The, the, shot, the, the, uh, 
Shetnovta uh, pot that we were drinking uh-huh. was $6 for a one and a half liter there. Uh, we found it here at France 44, and it's uh, $18 for a 750. <laughs> so we were, we, were, right. we were basically drinking like 50 cents a glass, yep. like Shetnovta mm-hmm. pot. Yep. And we took a picture in the French laundry. Uh, but we went to uh, the guy that owned it, uh, his, his love and his passion. He's the son of a, a sommelier in France who was... He's the sommelier? Yeah, he's the sommelier. <laughs> he, uh, his, his father was actually pretty well-respected in the entire like, wine community of France. And so he uh, started basically the KOA of Europe, and a hedge fund bought it for $500 million. My kids so, call that the campground of awesome. Uh, duh. So he, uh, he was 27 years old and had hundreds of millions of dollars and then started buying up properties because he wanted to basically give people the experience of being able to go to this. So his wine cellar is fucking bonkers. The chateau that they bought is over an underground river, and he installed a damming system with two feet of gravel. So he can flood it a couple times a year to keep humidity at 100%. And then he climate controls each room depending on like, what the vintages are. So he offers like, the base level, the mid-level, the high level, and then like, the supreme level. And we looked at the supreme level and we were like, look, <laughs> if we're coming here, we got to do it. Right? Like, it, was, oh. it was the legends of the legends. So we did it. And uh, on all of the documentation for everything, it was like in capital letters on every page, do not smoke. If you smoke at the castle, we will take your entire security deposit. If you burn anything, like obviously, because idiots. We were were talking about this on a prior episode because of the smoking for cheese. Exactly. Is is this what you're getting at? That's where I was going. (laughs) I'm still floored because. I always make a cigarette before I eat fancy cheese. I don't understand (laughs) how that works. That's the only pairing that I cannot come up with. And I just want to know. I just want to know with cigars if there was any difference. No, I would, I would he, not smoke before eating so cheese. So we literally, eat, we, drank, after. we drank five of the best wines in history with uh, an accompanying food item that was made by restaurateurs in the town that he lives in. Yeah. Everything was handmade and brought to us. And the final thing was a 76 Sauterne with this incredible array of aged cheeses from the community. Yeah. And... Right before we did that, he was like, you know, does anybody have a cigarette? And they're like, dude, is this a prank? Are like, you sure? What the fuck? No, he's French, dude. <laughs> and, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, I always smoke before I have good cheese. And it was the most French thing I'd ever heard. Absolutely. But I still am, I'm still having trouble with that pairing. Because they went outside and smoked camel mediums and Parliament lights. No, it's absolutely. It's and not then pairing. came in and it had not, that, none of that. None of nothing about that is a pairing. I just wanted to make so, sure that even in the cigar world, where we've put three hundred hands on things uh-huh. and we've aged things, we've fermented things, that that's still that still as baffling as I thought it was. Yeah, it is. Okay, it is. No, it, yeah. that's it, all I needed to know. It's more akin to if you asked. If you asked a bartender, can you pair a bourbon with my fish? They'd be like, what the fuck is our, just drink the bourbon after. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. We don't do that. Yeah. Or even a cocktail. Yeah. Because when I, libations for everyone is, this is titled titularly after a series that I used to be a writer of. And I remember speaking to Adam Gorski when he was at 
Which which version? The of French. Uh, La Belle Vie. When he was at La Belle mm-hmm. Vie. Do you do you ever pair cocktails to entrees? Of course not. No, like it. It's not worthwhile. If someone's like, I absolutely want to have an old fashioned with my meal. Sure, you know, Cote de Boo and mm-hmm. like a fucking old fashioned. Yes, certainly. I'm not gonna say no. This isn't this isn't actual France. We will not say no to you if you yeah. request something. With your but I, you know, he was like, I, I don't recommend it. It's the first time that a bartender was like, or like sure. a cocktailer, or whatever you want to call them, was very upfront with me regarding that very plain fact. Like, it's a very difficult thing to do. Gorski's a real motherfucker who what? needs to be on this podcast. I don't remember yeah, where you he heard it, but, but the last he night, the last night of La Belle Vie, Jenny and I went in to, to pay our respects and say goodbye. And I asked him, I was like, I would like one more pour from you. You can choose your spirit. I don't care what it is. I just want to drink something that you will miss pouring. I bet it was uh, like a French brandy or something. He poured me two ounces of Rowan's Creek, a very affordable like $35 to $40 wow, bottle is, of this bourbon. This a lot about what he thinks about you. And he lo- No, he looked at me, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, Quam, you've had all kinds of shit. I know, I know you've tried all kinds of like wild things. You asked me what I want to pour for you, and this is a handshake and a hug, and this is something that I love unbelievably, and I hope you do too, because I love you. That's awesome. And I was Didn't like, I dude, I love you too. And Did I drink Rowan's Creek with you the night Saffron closed? Correct. Which of those came first? Was that just like a wild coincidence? Uh, saffron? Was, saffron was first. Saffron was first. It was first. It was a wild coincidence. Having, oh, that's wild. Okay, let me, let me hit the go other drink two. and I had the lamp chops. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, the, the lamb, lamb chops. chops. The lamb chops. God damn it. R.I.P. the oh. lamb chops. Again. Makes you mad. Fucking Fuck. A. Okay. Sorry. So the, 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 the other two of the three, I'll, I'm going to quick hit it. <laughs> My favorite experience, That's like she said. a repetitive experience, would be <laughs> exactly drinking, uh, smoking a cigar on the river behind my office. Dude. Yeah. Just sitting down on the you river with friends, sometimes in solitude. Sometimes. I've never done that, and I've been waiting. Since we started this podcast, I've been waiting for the opportunity Dude, where yes. we can actually do the that. The sun bouncing off the big Mississippi with the beautiful, glowing Lowry Bridge one end of the direction downtown minneapolis the other way I'll you can hear ducks you. squawking and, and just the night sky river, across the river metal recycling river. plant sometimes being there by yourself is uh and it, referring back to what nate said for the prior cigar question being with other people that's a great way of connecting it's one of the best ways of connecting for for cigar smokers but also when you're alone the cigar sometimes is the only distraction you need so you're not always fucking with your phone yeah, like you have the you have the cigar. You're puffing it. You're looking up. You hear the squirrels. You hear the birds. So that's my feeling is when I'm on the river by myself. That's what I'm experiencing. I hear yeah. the water running, and then when I'm down there with friends, you know, we got something in our cup. Then for beverage, I'm pretty akin to Nate. It's hard to pick between the alcoholic beverages that I enjoy most because man, it's hard to pick between a Bourbon County barley wine or like a Negroni or a, a Naughty Philip. Which is an inside joke between Nate and myself. <laughs> so I'm super good. jealous right Naughty now. Fella. I saw the luck that Naughty they just gave each other, and that is or not like fair. some mezcal. Not some fair. Port. We'll yes. we'll probably bring it up. This is already yeah. like a nine hour long podcast. Yeah, but uh, actually, my my selection would be uh, not a brewed coffee because 
actually, you need to be really good at pairing a brewed coffee sure. or it'll taste like chicken noodle soup. You have to, it's got to be the right connection or mm-hmm. like it, it, it's, it's like making a bad wish to a genie. Absolutely. It just, the cup becomes chicken noodle soup. Yep. It's Turkish coffee. Turkish coffee. So, and yeah. it, it also refers to experience. We talk about it all the time, yep. experiential, the nature of experiential experiences. I know that's redundant. Experience. But in Lebanon, being on the balcony at the condo that first morning, boom, Turkish coffee, so a little biscuit, lighten up a Cohiba, a real one, because I got them in Lebanon, and just like watching the sun come up, perfecto. You can't Hot fuck damn. with that. That's it. That's it. Let's do it. Let's That's go. it. Let's Moving go. On. Party time. Well, it's time to drink. It's always time to drink here. Correct. Okay. What? Let's drink a clock. Now. Let's go. Uh, where are we at? Oh, yeah. Oh, this, this is, is me. You. Oh, yeah. All right. So, uh, real quick, before we get to the next question, uh, just want to kind of, we've, we've been fortunate enough to uh, both work with some businesses that have uh, experienced some bullshit from Yelp or Google reviews or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And all Top it takes, goal. all it takes is some kind people kind of stepping in and just saying, hey, I just want to let people know that I care about this. And as much as I or Charles don't want to ask you guys to have to do anything, it really does. It, it changes everything for us. Every single review. Literally every single review ups us in visibility from all of the different podcast sites. We're all dealing with like basically algorithms and the more responses that they see, the more that the algorithms put everything out. And, and like every simple interaction. Yep. You know, have you seen that meme, like the receipt, all these things are free to support a business. We, we don't, we don't need money. Nope. We may never profit from this, even though we're performing incredibly like do put a story up while you're in your car Take a picture of your fucking dashboard while you're listening to it. it. Tag us in something. Yeah. You know, if you're out having a drink and you and your friends are talking about some cool shit, tag us in that post. You know, bring in. It doesn't matter what medium we're on. Find us and tag us on that because it it really makes a huge difference to us. And we just want to keep getting out there. You know, uh, Charles, you shared an incredible email that you got from us that we're performing at a wildly huge level. In the food and drink category in uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. And all, yeah. every single review, every single listen, every single subscribe, all that does is help us get to more people, help us talk to more people, and help us kind of push out the radius of this. Like, we love sitting around these tables and talking with people here, but I'm looking forward to in the next couple months, we're going to have a couple episodes where we have somebody across the world from us. They're going to be drinking with us. We're going to be talking about the same questions, yes. but we're not going to be able to be in the same room because we want to bring in as many people as we can. We want to open this up to everyone that wants to be a part of this. So if it's possible, like just take a second and jump on there. Even just rate us. You don't even have to write a review. Just give us a rating. Say, hey, these guys are great. Or, or don't. Just say four stars five stars whatever stars you want to give us yeah just, or or the interaction thing in and emailing me as well i brought it up i already poured my name i brought it up at the end of the last episode charles at libations for everyone.com yep. if you have like guest recommendations stuff like that it doesn't all have to be puffery like if you have an idea for 
even a question. If you have yeah. an idea for a question or something. A question, a topic, yeah, anybody to that you. you would love to hear from, like for just sure. let us know. For sure. Interact with us because any interaction helps us try and figure out how to be better at what we do. Yep. We're having a fucking blast doing this. We keep talking to incredible people and we're laughing our asses off and we're talking about serious stuff too. But we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're running the show for you guys, too. Like, this is as much for us as it is for the fans out there. So anybody out there, just let us know what we can do. And, again, anytime that you can tell your friends about us and tell them to, to click a review or click a rating for us, it all helps. Anything that we can do. So that was, that was my little soapbox PSA. Thank you guys for listening. Yep. <laughs> all right, we'll step down now. Uh, all right. So obviously, uh, Nate Dogs is on hiatus. Slash, we'll we'll see if it comes back. But the experience of being able to walk up to somebody and buy food, whether it's a street vendor, it's a food truck, it's a food cart, it's anything. I was wondering before you got into this, was there a bite or an experience that you had with a street food vendor? that really kind of opened your eyes to how delicious everything was or I've never tried anything like that before or holy shit, this is the bomb and I want to do that. Like, was there anything Nate, that, that you had tried around the world in your travels that was like, Oh, that's my jam. Sure. Uh, I, I, I won't say like there wasn't ever a moment where I'm like, I ate something and went, I have to do that and work in food. It really, for me was, I would love to do something on my own. I had a good friend who ran his own business and said, if specifically a man hasn't started something entrepreneurially by the age of 37, the chances are lower than 5% that they will ever start something entrepreneurially. So I went, I'm 36. Huh, maybe I should try something. And he goes, you should start a hot dog cart. Really? So went, like arbitrarily? Literally. And he had no Whoa, idea that what? hot dogs were my legit favorite food, favorite food. Wow. This was a guy who had a shop down in Texas in the, in the mid-2000s. Sure. He was the really the, the driving force behind... Sounds like a Robin Williams movie. ...men going back to traditional <laughs> shaving. Like double-edged razors, straight sure. razors, mm-hmm. shaving brushes, like products that were made literally in the back of my shop. This guy was spectacular. And he goes, you know what, Nate? You should start a hot dog cart. And I was like, shit, how does he know I love hot dogs? So because I loved going to frequent great food places and really unique street food places, I would say one of the things I distinctly remember having was the beef tongue tacos oh, yeah. from the Chef Shack oh, at the Mill City Farmer's yeah. Market the first year they were open. Oh, and I was wow, like, man. Where has this gloriousness been my entire life? And I come from a long line of very bland, I order the same shit at every restaurant, food, you know, eaters. Those beef tongue tacos were revelatory. And I remember then once we went and we had soft shell crabs at the Chef Shack. And we had tomato watermelon gazpacho. Legendary. That, that gazpacho, unfucking believable Right? And no food, like no trailer, no truck. They were doing it from a table with the mini donuts. And my kids were like first gen eating these mini donuts. Lisa and Carrie of the Chef Shack are also much like Samay with World Street Kitchen and Grand Catch and Saffron. And 
were always amazing to me. And, and, I, and I always felt good about it because when I did my first event with the Chef Shack at Surly, was the, it was Power the Pint. Oh. Surly had just yeah. gotten yep. the law changed, yep. so they had a big party. And the reason I ended up getting to serve at that event is because a big part of Nate Dogs was giving back to charity with every meal that we served. And so the tornadoes had gone through North Minneapolis in 2011, and my wife looks at me and says, honey, we should serve food, like, for free because, like, these families have no food. Maybe that would be a great way to actually put this mission into practice. So So we're serving food with the Smack Shack guys, and I forget what the other truck was. Simply Steve's helped us out. Sure. And Mary Selkie, who still runs Surly Give a Damn. Mary Selkie is Mary's, going to be a guest on this podcast. Mary's OG. Uh, Charles has not met her yet, right? but she I've, is. Yeah, of course I've met her. Oh, really? Mary. Yeah, well, Charles I thought, I think I know, You think you know everyone I've met before? <laughs> no, I, I thought, <laughs> yeah, I apologize. So, I thought when I threw her name out there that that, that was one that you didn't know. She is no, one I of the greatest humans. The shit. I don't know yeah, her, love Mary. but I have. My kids have love Mary. Her, yes. In Very fact, cool. when I'd be at events. Splinter, she gave me some cornbread. Nice. So, Charles, when my kids would be not at events, they're like, are you doing a surly thing? Tell Mary we said hi. Like, she's the shit. She's the fucking bomb. So, they saw me giving away food and went, Oh, that's kind of cool. We should have that guy at our Power of the Pint party. When I started Nate Dogs, or b- like while I was planning it, I said, if I could be at a Surly event, I would feel like I have, I've, I've arrived. <laughs> For sure. And there I am at the Power of the Pint party. So um, I'm serving food, and I had all these trays of buns, and Lisa Carlson from the Chef Shack yep. walks across, and she goes, nicely done. She goes, when I saw you loading in, and you had that whole stack of buns, she's like, that guy's going to be all right. And I was like, that's the shit right there because those yeah. guys are OG food yep. trucks. Yeah. Like Nationally. OG across the country. Nationally. And when yeah. she Big said, deal. she goes, yeah. you know what? You showed up and you had enough stuff and you didn't run out and you killed it. And, she, and from then on, I was like, doesn't get much better than that. So that would be sort of my benchmark. Yeah. Having their food and then being at an event where they and then being christened by greatness, literally that I like that I was part of the group. Fuck yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Charles. Well, I'm going to give the bullshit ass pandering answer. I I would say Nate Dogs. So I met Nate when he was serving at All Pints North. <laughs> I think the first year. I don't even remember what fucking year that was. 2013? Maybe. Well, I met Nate. I got Nate. real hammered at some of those events, so I'm we all having a real that's, fuzzy that's memory on that. That's the point of the event. So I met Nate at All Pines North because I wanted a motherfucking wiener. Two, I got the double. I always got two. Nate knows my order. I always got two. And we ended up partying together at the... Two dicks, one bun? Yeah. No, nice. two, two buns, two dicks. Two buns, two dicks. Two two. I, I'm, I've, I've, I've had a long-running thing. I, I double up. <laughs> double um, wiener, I, one bun? I double up two uh-huh. wieners or sausages in a single bun. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I actually like that ratio better. But that, sorry, that's a it weird thing. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I I didn't mean to step you, on you. You have I, capacity. I can't, even tell I can't even tell if we're being serious because I'm, that wouldn't work with Nate's wiener. Okay? They're huge wieners. <laughs> okay, so the first, the first year that uh, I had Nate dogs at all pints and i'd had nate dogs before 
But at all pints, ordered Nate dogs. We had a little chat. You know, Nate's a very friendly guy. That evening, we were at the uh, BSG party um, for the uninitiated. Is just an industry party mm-hmm. for. This is a so all pints north is, a, a beer festival, in Minnesota. A lot of camaraderie among industry types. So totally. it's in Duluth, basically in the shadow of the giant lift bridge that everybody associates with Duluth. It's a great and event. It's, it's on the water, Bayfront Park. Most right? of Bay, most Bayfront most Bayfront brewery, Park, yeah. yeah, Bayfront Park. Most yep. breweries involved are away from their local area. So everybody just kind of lets a little bit more loose. Yes, and for some reason it became summer camp for brewing people, mm-hmm. brewery people. And that includes all ancillary people because for me yeah. I'm a creative and Nate's a food service provider. Yeah, totally. Uh, a lot of people from bars and stuff, but we'd all convene at various parties and there was always like a one big like beachside house yes. party at the end of the night, which is something out of an 80s teeny bopper weekend at bernie's movie yeah i felt like american pie was yes the, that was that was the last yes. movie that i saw where i was like yeah, it was this very is american like pie actually yes. the so the one of the years that we had the party <laughs> a cop that was at the party looked like uh god what was his name hold on you know what i'm talking about Nate? yes uh the the from uh super bad Oh uh, yes! Who is the kid in Superbad with the fake ID? McLovin. Yes. <laughs> okay. Christopher. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> How can I fucking think of that? So, at this at this particular Christopher party, Christopher Mince Platts. Sorry, that took me a second. Okay. Christopher Mince Platts. <laughs> that was highly unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this cop that looked like fucking McLovin at this party, and I literally yelled, "They're filming the sequel to Superbad." Because McLovin's here. Because <laughs> he became a cop at the end of Superbad. Oh, yeah, of course. So the, the, first, so great. So the first time I met Nate was, you know, uh, it wasn't the first time I met him. But that evening, we were at this party, and we were drinking heavily. And they were kicking us off the beach. And Nate wouldn't leave the beach, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, okay, the hot dog slinger is actually pretty cool. And then, you know, it's not like we became pals that night, but we got to know each other. From that point forward, this guy's yeah one of my best friends. He he officiated my wedding. He emceed the wedding. Uh, we Killed see each it. other all the time. I, I love his family, Thank his you. kids. So yeah, I would say for me that is a transformative experience. Absolutely. Dogs. Never mind the fact that they're the best fucking wieners you could possibly Hands put down. into your mouth. <laughs> Thanks, I, I feel like I, I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I will say that my favorite food cart picture I've ever taken was a future guest on the podcast, Jason DeRussia and I, standing underneath the quality wieners sign, both pointing up at uh, nokidhungry.org, which, again, was one of the reasons why I've always recommended what you were doing at the time, because you showed up and you helped feed kids. Yeah. And I don't give a shit. Politically, I have leftist views till the fucking cows come home. That's fine. I hope people feel like I do. If they don't, that's fine. Feeding kids shouldn't be political. Yep. And you were there, and you fucking killed it. It was amazing. So I love, I love the fact that that was a thing. But my food cart. Jason Rush is a good dude. He's a great guy, and yeah. he's also a champion of small businesses yes. and carts and whatnot. Absolutely, love that. My first thought when when I actually wrote this question was, uh, in in Oslo, Norway, all the taxis are also nationalized. So there's like there's just spots that you can stand to get a cab. 
you don't call a cab to where you're at. You go to the cab stand and you just pick up oh, the next one. Yeah. And there was a guy. I have found that out the hard way in a lot of countries. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, why won't you pick me up? <laughs> there was, there was a, a Turkish dude that started a Euro stand. Like, literally couldn't have been bigger than, like, when you throw the ball at the milk jugs at the state fair. That size. And all he did was make um, conical Euros. So it was a pita that came to a point at the bottom. And he would put meat in and then all of your other things and then more meat on top and give it to you. And that dude, every night, made thousands of dollars. Because he was the only person you could go to get food from and still be in line for the cabs. Totally. Thought that was my jam until my wife and I went to a wedding in Bogota, Colombia. And I will just straight up say the greatest thing I've ever gotten from a food cart, a street food stand, anything was a blend of orange juices in Colombia. I did not Ooh. know that there are like 30 different types of oranges. We get like navel uh, juice oranges and like one or two others. Valencia. This guy had an entire back bar of just oranges. You could pick which ones you wanted and he would make you a glass, a 16 ounce glass of fresh orange juice. And I had oranges that were pink. I had oranges that were almost white. I had oranges that were actually orange. And I just told him, whatever you think is the best is what I want. And he chopped it up. And he squeezed it. And he gave it to me. And it was like in Pleasantville when they see color for the first time. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that orange juice could taste like that. Marvel Vision. Yeah, the Marvel Vision. Absolutely. Or WandaVision. Yeah. WandaVision, excuse like, me. I literally, I literally was like, oh, cool. Okay, well, I can yeah, just, right? I can never have orange juice again. Yes. And then I can just dream that about this Columbia? for the rest of my life. Yep. On the street. And it was, it was like 80 cents, basically, that I had to pay. Comically cheap. And it was what we would have to charge, what, eight, nine dollars here for hot house grown navel oranges. That, I will never forget that flavor. And for the next half an hour after that, my mouth just kept watering. It was basically the same amount of mouth waterfalls that you get right before you throw up, only in the best way possible. In the best way. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was pre-cum for your mouth. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's like my dog when he sees the jar of peanut butter. Yeah. yeah. That's it's where it like, was. It's like Anthony Bourdain when he ordered a Kuiperinia and said, please line up seven more behind this. Yeah. There it is. Or like Nate when he orders a Kuiperinia. Yes. I do order seven more. Party. And I did. <laughs> and the place that made the best At ones is no longer there. And now I have to find a new Kuiperinia right. place. <laughs> Fuck it. And I'm going to go wah, wah, wah. All right. Well, shit. Let's fucking bump Let's this, do this last one down. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Cheers, gentlemen. Mm. Yes. It's yes, sir. Fucking A. Yes, sir. Right. I'm probably I'm probably gonna end up with a bottle of this back on my bar in the next five days. Ooh, oh, this, this is so me. good. It's delicious. It's I, so good. I actually told Nate earlier today, actually oh. no, it was a couple days ago, when we were conferring over what we wanted to drink, that I've been fiending for some scotch. Dude. And, and just for the record, this bottle says the most richly flavored of all Scotch whiskeys. Oh, oh, oh. Who can argue with that? Right? What's trying to say? You don't want yes. to be rich? I, <laughs> are you stupid? <laughs> I, I'm not stupid. 
All right, Charles, take us home. Let's do it. So we, it, as evidenced by some of what we've been discussing already, we've all done events in various forms and fashions. So my question is, what is your favorite event you've ever done, performed, served at, planned, coordinated, or otherwise? I'm going to disqualify weddings because I'm not going to put pressure on uh, Quam to talk about weddings that he has uh, officiated or even Nate having officiated my wedding. <laughs> But we've all done a lot of a lot of events. What what would be your favorite, Nate? If you can select one, favorite event. I know you just said it. I'm actually going to say my favorite event was your wedding. And I I just said that that was disqualified. But I if, know. If, but if you're forcing the subject, all right. Where we're so, going, there are no rules. Right. So if if that's your that's selection, my favorite. Um, okay. I would say like, and from I'm, a I'm personal, fucking flattered. From a personal standpoint, if I if I can't say that one, which it is actually legitimately my favorite, because we have to have we got to have spectacular cigars, some delicious food, great conversation. I think I smoked a comical amount of some of the Davidoff Churchill late hours from the idiots that didn't know how to smoke them. Yeah, I picked them all up and smoked them all. Um, when I handed them out, and I was like, <laughs> "That's right, you don't smoke cigars." That's you exactly right. So <laughs> it's fine. But I think, let's see, event-wise, what's my favorite? I think my one of my favorites was working the Uptown Food Truck Festival with my daughter Grace. Okay, and I worked a lot of events, almost all of them, with my children and my wife, who are spectacularly. In various configurations. Capable, in various configurations. <laughs> but, but to work one with my daughter where we, we would go to Lund's and we'd get donuts and we'd get like orange juice and a coffee. And we worked a 12-hour event pretty much with just my wife, with just me. Excuse me, not my wife, but with just me and my, I, God, I think at the time she was 14. Emma? No, Grace. Grace, Okay. And Man, those, she those, killed it. Those food truck festivals got And that Uptown chaotic. Food Truck Fest was shitballs crazy. Yeah. That was Was a it highlight. that way from the beginning? I don't think I went to the first so, one, but... Kind that, of what happened with almost crazy. every food truck event or beer event, the first year and the second year were almost always shitballs crazy. Like, great revenue. Sure. The right balance between a ton of food a and of like a ton of people and like food vendors that were running out of everything, which is what you want. And then every year after that, too many food truck vendors, not enough people, and money going. And sure. that was always the thing that was so frustrating is that you'd have you want to like make it profitable. So like we all want to run out of food. Yes. Stop bringing in. 700 food truck vendors because the major complaint that people always had we had to wait in line for food well no shit sherlock it's a food truck event <laughs> yeah the, the We're things you, food. the things you always you want you always have to wait for it and here's yeah. the here's the kicker you don't want it unless you have to wait in line for it <laughs> exactly. so shut the hell up the same people that bitch about having to wait in line are the people that won't go to the place that doesn't have a line. Of course they won't. It's infuriating. Kimmy, it's infuriating. There you go. They would bellyache about having to wait in line, but yeah. they wouldn't eat at a place 
that didn't have a life. Every time. So I always liked the events kind of the first couple of years because business was always great. All the vendors did really, really well. And it was great because all your friends were profitable. It was great to see your friends have lines. I had a line. Everyone else had a line, and it was it was really great for everybody. Everybody was like, we love the food. It's all high quality. Um, but that event was one that I really liked, working with my daughter, Grace. How that was super cool. And in the, can't say it because it's unqualified, Charles's wedding was my real favorite. How could you not? I mean, it was a fucking beautiful day. Right? Everybody was in such an awesome mood. So many hugs. <laughs> yeah. I got more hugs per capita, I think, at that wedding. That was we packed in the hugs. I'm I'm very fortunate that my wedding occurred when it did. You know, I'm I'm cognizant of that. Because I feel I feel very deeply for the people that I know and love and the people that I don't know uh regarding the fact that, you know, we we've lost a lot of those opportunities. So yeah, I wanted to cut it out. Nate, Nate was insistent. I didn't begrudge him that because I I loved having him officiate and MC the wedding. I can't. What else can you say, right? Ah, uh, it's just Plum, beautiful. What about you, brother? Man. Well, it, it, it's tough trying trying to delineate like what the best was. Mm-hmm. I. I've mentioned this, uh, I, w- I was a guest on a, another podcast and I talked about this and I felt weird about doing it, but um, the more that I thought about it afterwards, I, I, I want to keep sharing this. Um, I, am, I am a nobody, I, I'm not famous, I don't do anything cool, but in 20 years... You're not a nobody, well, you're, no, but, no, you're but, Ben Quam. But that, that's, not, a right her but that's, head, that's not why people are, are, are <laughs> buying tickets to things, but... Um, I decided at some point in my early twenties that, uh, I had a weird superstition in like, a the, the karmic scale of things where I'm very aware of all the bad things that I do. And when, sometimes when I can't stop doing that, I'll just try and do good. And at least maybe it like balances out. And that's not really where I see my life right now, but traces of that are still there. And, uh, I want to say this cause it's a weird humble brag, but I really mean it, um, I started keeping track of shit when I was 25 and uh, looking at charities that I've hosted or emceed or DJed, we've raised like over $3 million for charity. And I'm only saying that because I'm not somebody that's cool. I'm not a celebrity. If you want to make a difference in your community, you can just show up. Yeah. Just do anything. Absolutely. And so when we were talking about like what events meant the most to me, I've done a lot of great weddings, and I, I, I love those couples. But that was specifically about those couples, right? Yep. Um, where I really fell in love, and honestly, it was also the first time that I was aware of you, um, was when I got tapped to do stuff for uh, NoKidHungry.org. Because, like I said earlier, it's not political. Feeding children should just be a thing that we do. Help people. And the very yeah. first event that I did... Um, they showed a video of one of the original chefs that helped start the charity. And uh, she was uh, multiple kids, single mom. Mom was working 18 hours a day. Uh, her little brother was hungry, and she opened up the, sh- the cupboard, and she didn't know how to cook anything that was in there. She's, you know, seven or eight years old. And all she wanted to do was provide for her kid 
brother who was sobbing because he was hungry, but she didn't know how to do it. And now as an adult chef who worked at multiple Michelin star restaurants, she said, I just vowed to myself that I'd never let anybody feel like that again. And I started learning how to cook and I started doing all that. I loved working with them and I love continuing to work with them. It's such a beautiful thing to know that simply by showing up and cooking good food and providing some good entertainment, people will give hundreds of thousands of dollars to take care of kids that are hungry. Yeah. And I hate the fact that just the fact that kids are hungry isn't good enough. Right. But if I can do a little bit of what I do in my career, if you can do a little bit of what you do day in and day out, yep. that's enough to get those same people that don't give a fuck about hungry kids to come out and spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And give a fuck. That was when I, yeah. that was when I kind of learned the power of, of what we can do. Yeah. And if I have a little bit of sway, and if you have a little bit of sway, and if Charles has a little bit of sway, and we push all three of those sways in the same direction, we can make a difference. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the same shit I was talking about with Scott, Scott Hutchinson and, and Frank Rabbit. Like, tiny changes are really what changes everything. Yeah. It's great to think that we could, you know, turn around a fucking cruise ship. The fact is, it's very rare that you can completely reverse course on a giant scale. But if we can make tens or dozens or hundreds or thousands of people's lives better by just doing a little bit, then shouldn't, shouldn't that be the case? And shout out to a uh, uh, podcast listener, uh, Lizzie Breyer, and uh, also Trent Tarr, who are the people that wrote me into uh, No Kid Hungry, Lizzie, it was literally, uh, she was just trying to get a hold of somebody else and somebody gave her my number. And when she explained what she was doing, I was like, I can't not be involved. Tell me what I can do. Yeah. Uh, Trent, honestly, just let me call him and say, how do I help? And he started showing me the path of what to do. And uh, all of the paths that I walk on the good side of life were already laid out by great people before me. And I think just finding ways to walk down those same paths is the best thing that we can do. Yeah. And if we don't see a path for something that we want to make, fuck it. Let's, let's forge it ourselves. Make a new one. Yeah. We are the change that we've been waiting for. Yep. I, there's nobody else that needs to come save this. It's, it's just us. Yep. So I, I guess, again, and a thank you to you as a guest being on the podcast, that you were there that fucking night. That picture that I took with Jason, which is still, I think, my third most commented or liked picture I've ever taken Seriously? on social media, was Jason and I standing underneath pointing at quality wieners and then pointing at ourselves. Because uh-huh. uh, we're wieners, yes. But uh-huh. all we were there for was let's make a dick joke but also let's feed up fucking thousands of <laughs> right? kids and if if i can find a weird pocket where i can make dumb dick jokes with my friends but also feed hundreds of kids let's like make a diff that's dick for it <laughs> yes. so, charles i feel like you got to answer your own question there me but yeah i i help to plan coordinate market advertise events Routinely, it's a big part of uh, my role as a creative and marketing director. So the, 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 the answer would be twofold. One is something we've hinted at previously on this podcast, and that would be like a charitable answer. The other, which I'll refer to first, was uh, the last a trip around the sun that I did at Insight Brewing Company. I used to work with Insight Brewing. 
I, I pitched the idea of their their anniversary event, which is called the Trip Around the Sun. The last one I did there was like this huge blowout, and as as an event director or marketer, it felt like sending your kid to college. You know, like look at all this giant tent, IMC'd, like bands all day, these like incredible bands and. Uh, big VIP area in the back of the brew house with all these casks and chow girls was serving food. It was just like this litany of, it was just madness. We sold thousands of bottles of stout. And I remember just feeling like a great sense of accomplishment on a professional level. However, we, we have previously referred to this. This is one of the first like deeply personal experiences that I had with Quam because We've known each other for some time, but it was one of the first times I think we like really connected. Also, the first time you and I ever took a picture together. Trip around the sun. Oh mm-hmm. no! But yeah, but I'm referring to the follow up, which is uh, we we loaded up a theater with uh, kids from North Minneapolis to see Black Panther when That's Black nice. Panther came out. I, I was trying to decide if if I wanted to talk about that or not, and I'm glad you you did bring it up. Uh, honestly, I, I just kind of chickened out. But literally, what you're talking about right now is um, if I die tomorrow or if I die when I'm 80, that'll be if I'm wrong and and I have to walk up to some pearly gates and I have to talk to Saint Peter and he questions some of the dumb shit that I did. I'll I'll ask him to roll the reel on that. Because I don't think I've ever been more proud of having a friend like you. And I don't think I've ever been more proud of pulling some shit off that honestly was kind of scattershot and it ended up being really cool. I didn't know if it was going to be possible. And it was all predicated from um, the actress who originally brought it up. Was it... uh, God, I, I, I want to say it was Viola Davis that talked about it, but oh yeah, no that I think it was I think you, I think she tweeted right. about it. So it was like this concept was brought to light. Yeah, this idea that like a lot of a lot of children, teens, see something in in this portrayal of Black Panther that they should see in themselves, and they don't have the opportunity to experience it, and this concept was born of that, that we decided <laughs> we need to, we need to find a way to allow these youths to experience this. So the opening weekend, Ben's friend that worked at a, th- a local theater. It was, it was uh, Travis Joseph was the food and beverage director for Imagine Entertainment. Yes. So yeah. we, we arranged for uh, a screen to be, reserved for this particular experience and we loaded it up we like we sent out myriad messages like i don't i think some parties didn't even believe this was real right and we tried like i I sent some emails to to like my wife's high school but i think they didn't really believe this was a reality that we were offering up dude seriously send kids we'll we'll get a bus full of kids we'll bring them to the theater We'll get them popcorn and sodas and everything else. It ended up going off. I wouldn't say without a hitch, but it, it went the way that we wanted it to go. It was it was exactly as bumpy as we thought it would be to make it happen. Well, when but it happened, everything everything that we had been stressing about went out the fucking window. 
the minute that we saw all those Man, kids there. Yeah. And experiencing the film that way for the first time, never mind the fact that that is such a moving production. That movie is is brilliant. It it should win it should have won awards should've. for just what it was, but what it was for us in that scenario with that theater full of kids was incredible. I remember it, it, it's, it's such a small thing, such a small thing that we afforded to that audience of, yep. of kids. But like, it's not a small thing. It's a huge thing for those kids. It, it was it was way bigger for us. I'll yep. say that yep. it was so much big. You know what I mean? Like it, it, a little bit of that. A little cry, bit of me I, felt selfish. I cried three different just, times that day. Oh man! I, 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 there were a couple different times that yeah, I was okay like, admit, yeah, I pulled okay my hat that. low to just wipe my eyes because I could hear. Ah, oh, fuck, man! I'm probably gonna start crying right now. I could hear the kids seeing themselves on the screen for the first time. Yeah, and it was so fucked up because I've spent my entire life seeing that. Yeah. There was never a time at any point in my life that I didn't think that I could be one of 18 different superheroes. Right. And I knew I wouldn't be, but like I knew I could be, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and um it I your, also it was in your it's part it was, of our yeah, made it's, of your, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. how you're kind of sewed up, but uh Rebecca Brunson from the Minnesota Lynx, her speech before that movie, oh, that, that was man. what killed me. I'm so glad she's the one who came. Oh God, because we didn't know what we were gonna do. Because we were we were begging. I, I was just trying to hit up anybody I could because I, I just kept saying like, they don't need, no one needs to hear from me. In this. <laughs> For fuck's sake, please don't. And gotta love the fact that two different news networks showed up too. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> don't fucking die. No. <laughs> Don't talk Not to me. me. Yes. I don't give a shit if you yeah. want to say that somebody phantom like helped this happen. I don't care. This isn't about me. The story that was, is about these that was kids. Perfect. It was it was for, so beautiful. Be and we set up a we set up a, a step and repeat. And really the, the catalyst was the fact that somebody posted that they brought the North Minneapolis High School men's basketball team, but didn't invite the women's team. And that was that was what set me off. Was like it, no, no, God damn it! We need all of them. Everybody should see all this of fucking. them. So we started that, and then we started bringing in more people, and we had different teams. And uh, my friend Crystal Flint, and uh, she brought in like some of her community yes, groups. Yeah, and everybody just started piling yes. in, and we set up a step and repeat. And Rebecca Brunson came out to surprise the North High women's team. So a fucking legendary WNBA oh, player yeah. comes out and watching them lose their so shit. Cool. So they got to see a real life superhero to them. Yeah. And then they got to go in like a real, and sit real in a movie real superhero. and feel represented on the screen. Yeah. And I, man, I, like we said, I, I don't give a shit. It's emotional. Whatever else happens for the rest of my life. Yeah. We got to, we got to be a part of that. Well, and, yeah, and we're well, not going to stop there, though. No, th- we get to keep doing that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's, there is no stop to helping people. Like, and I hope everybody listening right now. It doesn't matter if you don't know anyone. If you have a small group, if you have a huge group, if you have tons of friends, it doesn't fucking matter. If you want to help, you can help. Pick something that you think needs help and go out and fucking do it. I know we talked about earlier, Father Gregory Boyle and yeah. that the impact he has. Fred Rogers got a call from a woman who said, my daughter is in the hospital and really all she wants is to see 
Mr. Rogers. He flew to see her in the hospital and brought his puppets with no fanfare, no media. Yep. That's people that's like the that shit. still exist. John they, Cena. That's the shit right there. John yes. Cena, pro wrestler John Cena, by far has satisfied more requests for Make a Wish than anyone ever. Yeah. Zero fanfare. He doesn't care. Nope. You don't do that. You don't do that for fanfare. No. I, I mean, I read, you know, like, I don't want this to go on infinitely because this has been a long podcast already. But someone said, someone said this week, uh, why is it that Jeff Bezos can't, can't find compassion? Right. Why can't he donate some of his Why is it that people, when they become billionaires, don't donate money? And this answer somehow never occurred to me. You would never get to that point. You if would you never get to that point if you were compassionate yep. mm-hmm. to that degree. Mm-hmm. There are rare occasions that, like Bill Gates, hey, man, there are rare occasions where someone arrives at that point and they're like, oh, shit, okay, I got too much. Yeah. But the example that was given in this, like, Reddit story was this person was saying, like, my dad owned a chain of stores that could have blossomed into many, many stores, but there was risk of of people losing their jobs and he like cut back everything else to make sure they get their jobs, including his own pay. And it's, it's interesting to think of it in those terms, but yeah, it doesn't mean we're irreparable. If we're like not being compassionate and charitable, it means that like, yeah, let's, can we, can we be cognizant of that? Yeah. Can we, empathy, totally. empathy again, returning. Yeah. It was yeah, an earlier theme right in this there. podcast. Empathy. Empathy, empathy is, is our only is superpower. Everything. Yep. Like let's be there for each other, man. I, I honestly like uh I think that's kind of a beautiful note to end this on. Yeah. Um we we all have one last shot, but before we do it, uh This is a bonus shot. Let's me let's be clear. This it's is a bonus. bonus bonus shot. I, I finished uh, the bottle. Yeah. I we finished the bottle. Nate, you are you are beautiful and wonderful and I want everybody to know how to find you. Uh you can find me at Instagram and Twitter, Nate underscore dogs. Or you can find me at Instagram, uh, Bovida underscore Nate. Yeah. Uh, B-O-V-E-D-A underscore Nate. Uh, How do you spell that? That's very <laughs> exotic. Nate? Mate. N-A-Y-I-T-E, N-A-T-E with an umlaut. <laughs> yeah, you, you need the umlaut. You need the umlaut. And I will say to anybody who is a fan... Of tobacco products, of yes. cannabis products, yes. or musical instruments. Yes. Mm-hmm. This shit is real. Yes. And Those things I, are not related. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying this because he's sitting here. I'm saying this because I bought this shit before he worked with them. Yes. Please, 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 if you need that for any of those needs. Buy Bovida. Buy that shit. Buy Bovida. Yeah. Uh, Charles, where do people find you? Charles at libationsforeveryone.com. Reehoo. And at libations for everyone on Instagram. What about just you? Me? Nah, nobody cares. They do. <laughs> <laughs> so, I beg to differ. They do care. Instagram, he's, it came from the sea. I'm the underscore communist. Uh, everything else, whatever. It's my name and it's a whole bunch Ladies of leftist These guys politics. are the shit. <laughs> right. uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, uh, oh, I just, I just want to ask if you guys would be kind enough. 
Give us a thumbs up. Give us a review. Give us a cheers. And somebody pour Nate some scotch because he spilled his shit. (laughs) We love you so much. We'll see you next episode.